I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Ben, can you tell me how to say your last name so I don't ruin it? Armandaris. Armandaris. That's the white guy way to say it. Oh, yo. I mean, how would you say it? You're talking to mom Well, no, that's how I do say it. I say Armandaris, but if you ask, like... Some people will come up to me and, or they'll read my last name properly, and it's Armendariz. What's the origin? Spanish. So. Spanish. Okay, I do, I'm horrible with like recognizing Spanish sometimes versus Middle Eastern names. Mm-hmm. Well, it and sounds exotic either way. It, it yeah. sounds. There's some countries out there <laughs> in the Middle exotic. East. I just like, man, that could be Spanish. I'm not the brightest guy either. So I think a lot of people think it's Mexican because it ends with I Z, like Martinez and. Valdez, even though it's easy, but so I think the Z, but meaning Spanish, like your family's from Spain. I, I I think I have a little bit of both, to be honest. Uh, I like my grandma; she'll tell you there's a huge difference between somebody that's from Spain and somebody that's from Mexico. So my dad likes to claim a lot of Mexican side, which I'm cool with, but I think she's a little bit of both. So she claims both. Dad's getting straight up Vato on it, is he? He tries to. He tries to go pretty hard, Vato. That's he, what's up. Yeah, Candle he's homes. with that. He is with it. <laughs> I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> Look at Ivan over here. He is just yeah. like a villain, man. My man. <laughs> Dude, thank you for bringing one of my favorite people in the world into the house. Ivan, right? just such a dear friend, man. Thank you for being here. He is the man. So real quick, man, introduce some people or you to some people. You and I have a very similar start. I say that because, man, somewhere around April uh, of 2017, you started a show. Was Did I get the month year right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, CCMMA, Canvas Conversations. Mm-hmm. And it was super cool because you and I have a bunch of mutual friends who've started various podcasts, uh, been on and off. Some are consistent, some aren't, some have done and some haven't. But you and I started chasing this dream at the same time. And this really, my favorite part was talking to somebody else who's done what we've done here together. Mm -hmm. All four of us sitting here understand some of this process. And you've not only created Canvas Conversations, but you've you've excelled. You've done well with it. Thank you. Dude, podcasting is a fickle, fickle thing. Have you looked a lot into into the science, the business the things that they talk about have you looked at do you research? i've done extensive research on or research on just podcast speaking all of it all of it everything that can go into it i've done as much as i can as far as i can definitely believe it man i looked at i've watched you it's been a while since i've watched a full show all at once but Mm -hmm. i'll pick them up here and there especially based off some of your guests and dude mad props you're hitting it real because look at some of the names you're getting to come in you're getting some really really good guests um, but I can see like the production increase. Like I was asking you about the TV. Have you, you watch any of this? Yeah, shit? a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that big it looks pe- legit, man. It looks like, uh, I, I think of, uh, Tosh.0 when I, when I see yeah, it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. It's got a little, the screen and then the person over here. I, I honestly, I doubt adopted, a, I think, a, a little bit of it from the MMA hour in Ariel. Hashtag and better than Hawani. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was the best hashtag ever. But I think just seeing that kind of inspired me to have a good production and to create something that's 
visually appealing to the eye when somebody comes to watch a video, the video content. A lot of people are doing side-by-side videos, interviews, and mm-hmm. and you have to have a really great interview, I feel like, to get somebody to want to watch that again and again and again. But if you add some production value and you add a little bit of um, visual presentation to what you're doing, I think that's appealing to an audience. So I tried to do that the best I could, and it started out like just, I think I had like, a, I have a picture that's like, there's a flower pot and like an iPad up with my logo on it. And mm-hmm. it's like the start or something. And I think on a chalkboard, it's like written episode yes. one or something like that. Yeah. And then to just see it evolve and see my ideas just kind of really come to life. It was, it was cool, man. It was awesome. It's been so cool watching. I mean, I, I remember that first episode. I think you remember ours and we talked here and there uh, over internet, things like that, and just kept track mm-hmm. of each other and, and watching you develop. You know, you've gotten to lower thirds. Like, I'm watching all these things, all these official titles. Right. Dude, it looks like a major production company might have put this together. And it just looks so good. And I think for you, it takes the pressure, the heat off of you because not all the focus and shine is on you, which you don't want it to be. You're about the fighters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it does a good job of all those graphics talk about the fighters and shit, man. So you've done really nice. Yeah, when I started, I honestly had somebody else, the first couple episodes, I had somebody else doing my graphics for me, and they put my name in it and stuff, and it said, by Ben Armanderas, and like, like you said, it's, for me, it's not about me at all, like, it's all about promoting these fighters. A lot of the guys that I get to talk to are some of the guys that are just coming up, too, mm-hmm. so that's pretty fun, because they're not super popular with a huge audience, so just really giving them an opportunity to say whatever is on their mind and whatever they're feeling in this time in their life. Hopefully they get to go back and look at that and be like, Oh man, that was, that was a cool opportunity or just, I, I, I know a lot of them don't do that. Don't like think of it like that, but I like, that's why I'm in it for it to give these guys a moment to like look back at their time and be like, man, I can't believe that guy asked me for an interview. And like, I don't know. I just think, it's probably a, a good feeling to be like recognized for their hard work. And I, I just know it's a lot of hard work and I respect that. So DJ and I don't talk about the show very often, like especially strategy and content and anything like that. It's just, it's usually just pretty organic. Like it's just, we hang out and talk and what happens happens. And today we were talking about uh, just a difference in the way that we talk to people. Like most of the times that I've, I've interviewed someone, there's a camera involved and I'm just kind of soliciting responses to try and build uh, the story for, for the video. And I think DJ, especially with his uh, experience being in front of a classroom, is really great at... Uh, talking a lot. Talking a lot. Yeah. And just asking <laughs> asking questions in a totally different way than I do. So do you have any strategies or any, any way, like when you would lay out a conversation for a guest, is there anything that you uh, do reliably? Honestly, I just try to like... I always write out some talking points because... With fighters, it's 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 always like a, it's kind of a, a delicate thing. You can't ask, you don't want to ask certain questions that you know are going to probably upset them or bother them or something like that if somebody's coming off of a loss or something like that. So sometimes uh, the way I dress my questions, uh, I dress them so I'm not pissing them off or I don't come across, I don't want to come across like I'm taking a jab at them or something. But I don't want to be, like you said, giving anybody softballs. Just super easy, like make them look great questions. Sometimes you have to ask a question that is a little uncomfortable to ask 
So it's just dressing those up so you're not sounding like an asshole while you're asking. You know what I mean? So that's really the only thing I think about as far as like uh, the way I direct my questions. But other than that, I'm just coming up with a few points and then just trying to be as smooth and... One of the reasons I uh, put hashtag better than Hawani. Nick, do you know who Hawani is, by the way? By I, the way, I don't, but I gather that he hosts the MMA. He does. Uh, he, he hosted a he show. MMA Hour. Yeah, yeah he MMA Hour. Uh, like the uh, best MMA reporter. Got awards for it seven or eight years running now. So super good MMA reporter. A lot of respect for him. I actually love his show. Mm. Um, Luke Thomas is doing a better job, just saying. You listen to yeah, Luke? Yeah, I, I actually listen to it. him and... Uh, he, instead of New York Rick, he's, he's got, got Danny. A, yeah, and Segura is awesome. Danny Segura is awesome, and those that little dynamic they have too, that back and forth. Yeah, it, it does. It. I didn't think. It, I told you that day. I was like, eh, I kind of. I've listened to it a little bit, but yeah. you inspired me to listen to it more. I was. I was impressed. I like it. Dude, Segura could have his own fucking show. I watched he's him on MMA Hour or MMA Beat, mm-hmm. and he did good on MMA Beat. But you yeah. know, he's got Wagenheim and all these other fuckers around him, so it's kind of like you're the little fish. exactly. When he stepped up with Luke, Bro. dude, I, I, I'm for Segura running a show. I yeah. just am. Um, Danny would he would crush it. He he's crushing it. Yeah, from where he's at. Yeah. So back to hashtag better than Hawani. I meant it, and when I meant it, because what you just said, and I'm curious how you do this. Hawani is really good at annoying people and asking the questions that people don't want to ask, but we as listeners want to hear. And he's also good at fucking pandering to the fighters, lobbing them softballs. I mean, he's a damn good reporter. But the thing I notice about your interviews is you balance that line really well without pandering to him, without catering to him, but at the same time without pissing him off. What do you think and how are you doing that? Just talking to him like I would want to be talked to if I I was getting ask certain questions i mean i've grown up in martial arts and there's kind of a dynamic of respect there so i just try and follow those guidelines and that recipe and stay appropriate yeah you uh in your show i've i think they're longer than what we watch in other words there's a lot more time and value put in Mm. most of your interviews are how long probably the max the long uh, well per interview per person i speak to it's about 15 to 20 minutes usually and how much time do you guys have off camera or off at least airplay well i if i if the interview lasts 15 minutes like if that's what you guys see i probably talk to him for 20 okay just beforehand just Mm -hmm. getting ready Mm -hmm. or i'm just saying what's up or whatever (laughs) so i released a video today that's 10 minutes long Mm -hmm. and man i bet i had an hour and 30 minutes of interview content or, or longer right so you're very efficient <laughs> with that, with that editing. I'm trying to be, man. I'm trying to be. But I've only got 20 minutes to work with. You know what I mean? So I want to, and I want it to, like, if they say something, I don't want to cut them off or, or get rid of something that they say. If I'm cutting stuff out, it's usually, like, fumbles that I've made or, or stuff that I've messed up. I'm cutting stuff out that I say or something, or I'm editing myself out a lot of times, and I'm giving them as much light as I can is usually what I'm trying to do. Um, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to start working with Flow Combat. Uh, yeah. They're a really good, really big MMA site and uh, have really good content and everything. And I've been working with them. And so as the shows, I've been m- messing with the shows to an hour-long show sometimes. Um, Ivan's come over and he helps me out. And we uh, he stands behind the camera basically and gives me the thumbs up. He helps me with editing ideas and all those transitions that you see and everything like that 
that's basically me and him bouncing our ideas off of each other and me saying, does this look good? And him going, I like it, I like it, but what if we did this? Or what if we do that? So having him to bounce those ideas off of and get a second professional opinion about it, you know, he, you can have a good eye for something, but mm -hmm. sometimes it needs a little tweak and it needs an outside opinion. And he's been a good person to give that to me. So Ivan's a good person for everything. Man. Was nego. So man. what, I wanted to start a podcast. I wanted to talk about skydiving. That's what got me. But what got you? What was the catalyst? What made you start doing that? So it was really just uh, one day I had the idea that I wanted to interview my buddy Rafi on Stotts. We went to junior college together and wrestled together. And he was getting ready to fight for the VFC bantamweight title. Um, Victory Fighting Championships. It was run by Ryan Stoddard, who actually works at Pure Spectrum. So that was pretty interesting coincidence. He knows Rafion really well, but so I wanted I wanted it to start with Rafion, and I thought this would be a great opportunity. He's about to have a title fight, try and promote my friend a little bit. That was basically how it started, and I just started with that one interview. But then after that interview, I thought to myself, okay, I just I can't like stop here and just do one interview and then that be the end of it. So I started lining up more ideas and just it just started building. I know for me, Nick, uh, Nick was actually not going to be my first guest. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah, you did. You heart-crushing uh, Oh, yes. Ben, no, I was actually thinking about that today. Ben Nelson was meant to be the first guest. But then I realized superior friendship and brought Nick Lodge And Ben was out of town. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we just sat here and threw my cell phone up and let it stream to Facebook Live and eventually captured the audio and threw it on a podcast server. That's how we started. Um, Rogan. Uh, yeah. I just want to ask the question. Have, have you done much research about uh, just the longevity of most podcasts that start? Like, I'm just trying to equate it to people who start skydiving, how there's a certain mm. percentage of people that make a tandem and a lower percentage that, that do their first solo and a lower percentage that complete the program. I just wonder where... Uh, I've not looked into being a quitter. Have you? Mm -mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a super legit question because I've looked at a lot of the business stuff. I've looked at a lot of the different ideas. I'm actually looking at going... You ever heard of pod mo uh, podcast movement? Um, uh, God, I think that's the right name. Podcast movement. It's no. a... Uh, what are those stupid things called? Expos, not expos, not seminars. Um, like conference. Conference? Yeah, oh, okay, conference. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Symposium. Symposium. That's <laughs> the same idea. Um, still not all the words I'm looking for, but you get the idea. Convention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, And it's gotcha. a bunch of podcasting. A bunch of podcasters get together. There's all the, the services, whether it's Libsyn or Podbean or whoever else, uh, SoundCloud. A uh, bunch of sound people, equipment people. They're all there to sell you their shit, and they're mm -hmm. all there giving a bunch of... Uh, uh, seminars. Mm. I'm actually looking and thinking about going to that at one year just because why not, man? I think it's going to be two or three more years before I decide to go, though. You going to go with me? I don't know. Maybe. Is it in Vegas? <laughs> That's where I, most of those things happen. I think it's kind of like in a sleepy little town wherever they go to next year. Oh, that doesn't sound like prostitutes. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Reno, baby. Reno. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little more hipster than Vegas. Uh, so now I forget where we were at, Nick. Uh, you were about to ask him an important question. I interrupted you with uh, with podcast statistics that with none quitting. of us know about. With quitting. You, oh, you yeah. made me quit, man. Hey, I didn't know about quitting either, all right? <laughs> Don't put that on me. <laughs> um, you quit eating. 
Mm. So uh, I continued fasting. I, so that. one thing I do. Um, what did you start with? So we just started with a cell phone facing us. What was your start equipment wise, dude? That's an awesome question. So Amber is probably watching this and loving this. My, uh, f- I used a coat rack with <laughs> this like I don't even know what it was. It was like this. You know those tripods that are made out of those little balls and stuff, dude. That's yeah. what was. That's what we used for my cell phone. Yeah. Wasn't that wrapped onto an actual tripod? Onto that tripod because yeah. <laughs> I don't have so, a camera mount for it. I wrapped that on a coat rack or a hat rack, coat rack, whatever you want to call it. I wrapped that up, and then I used these like pieces of tape and stuff, and like just it was like leaning and stuff, and then I would. <laughs> close i'd close all the doors in the house i'd have to turn the fan and everything off i was trying to get the best production value i had i had my mic turned the wrong way so you couldn't hear anything i was saying (laughs) um and i listened to the interview back and i'm like why didn't it sound like i was talking into a mic so i read the directions and it's like dog you had the microphone turned up like all these things like I just, oh. I didn't know anything, you know what I mean? So I was just, it was just trial by error. So, and I'm still doing trial by error, you know what I mean? Like that still exists for me. It's not perfect by any means, you know, but yeah. it's just, it's awesome. And then, I, like I said, I had the cell phone and I used, uh, like, that was it. That was all I had as, as the equipment. I, d- I had a basic uh, Yeti mic that was plugged into my computer, uh, which doesn't record the best audio and it got the show out it got the voice out it did it did and it it got me out there get, made me want to do more and progress and just uh make it better you know make it yeah. make it better but now i believe you're somewhere around 700 views on your youtube channel mm. per episode is that mm. about right yeah some of them get pretty high man that's pretty cool and that's badass. And so how many of our friends have we heard or even seen try to start podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I like about your story about Nick, myself, and Justin is, is together. I mean, this was my brainchild to start with, but you came on board right away. And goddamn, you've been here most of the time, too. Just you went at it. You just kept trying. You kept reading. You kept learning. To our friends who want to start a podcast. Recently, a buddy of mine said, hey, have you seen some of the copycats out there? I'm like, yo, bro, Skydive Radio was before me. Podcasts right. were before them. We're all copycats. Yeah. And he was joking because of who the particular friends were. I'm like, yeah, dude, I support it, man. You, you want to go out there and hang out with your friends and have a fucking drink and talk shit? I think doing podcasts was my idea, and anyone who does it after we do is a thief. <laughs> Nick Lott. Fight Nick Lott. Biatch. We had no, Nick Lott workouts a- today. You had Nick Lott workouts? Man, we what threw that boxes of logbooks into the storage room. Oh, yeah? Dude, we got an assembly <laughs> Did line. Did you take your shirt off and, and flex in the mirror afterwards? Carlos had a shirt <laughs> off the whole time. But the rest of us had our shirts on. Uh, so. Sissies. Yeah. It's like American Psycho where you're looking at yourself in the mirror while you're doing it. Every <laughs> night. Every <laughs> night. Dude, I'll tell you, man. We threw like three pallets of boxes around or two pallets of boxes around. That was That's a lot of logbooks. Dude, books. when those logbooks show, when they show up, man, it's a, it's a big order. It is a fucking huge order. So, man, any of my friends who are listening to this, if you thought about like, yo, I want to get together with my friends, we both started with cell phones. Mm-hmm. We both started with just wonky equipment. Today, exactly. I look at what you do. What are you using equipment-wise today? Uh, I have an audio, like my mic is like a $400 mic. My headphones are like $200 headphones. I have a a 6,000 camera that I'm using. I, uh, I mean, I have everything that I need to make a real, to produce an 
actual podcast. Don't be now, laughing you know at my I mean? webcams in here. No, no, no. I, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I use a, a webcam whenever I'm like talking. to. So I have two different cameras that I use. I use the webcam for the fighter. So the fighter sees me through a webcam. Um, and then I use that. I like set a camera like over here. And then that records that the visual that you guys all see. So the fighter doesn't actually see that visual when I'm talking to him. Yeah. He just sees me like this, like like a usual uh, like FaceTime interview or whatever. But then I go back through and through the editing process, I create the visual you guys all see. Yeah. And where are you? Where are you hosting it? Where is this at? That's in, that was in my kitchen in my old house. Dude, nice nice looking kitchen. Thank you. Um, that's a thing that people get shocked by. You came into this room, you've seen it on, on Facebook, and you're like, man, this is just a dude's office with a man cave in it. That's all it really is. That's what is. I'm saying. You know, so people who have all these excuses, man, start with a cell phone. We did our first several episodes that way. Um, dude, our, our mics, we have a decent setup now, but it's not super nice or super expensive. You can get into this affordably. Exactly. All you need is a camera and a friend and a drink. You should have all three. You, you should. Um, what's the hardest part? about hosting a podcast? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, I think probably just the consistency part, uh, especially with interviewing fighters, because there, there was plenty of times that I set interviews up and they didn't end up coming through. Um, you, so you mean consistency in the fact of like keeping a show coming out on a, on a exactly, regular basis? Okay. Exactly. Con- and consistency as far as motivation too. It's sometimes super demotivating when like Darren Till, for instance, he's blowing up right now, right? Um, he's about to fight for the belt, obviously, and everything, Tyrone Woodley. Uh, I had a chance to interview him. After he won his first fight back after an injury, he'd been off for a year and then he came back and I saw him fight and I was like, that guy's going to be the next big thing. I know it. The way he talked, the way he fought, the way he carried himself, I was like, okay, get an interview with him. So I hit him up. He obliged. He was like, yeah, but it's got to be tomorrow at the airport. And I forget the time difference or whatever, but I had to get up at three in the morning to do this interview. And I set my alarm for three in the morning, got up. I went to bed early that night, got up, I waited. I was supposed to be at 3.30, but I had to get up a little early because I didn't want to be like tired looking during the interview. So by the time I got all set up and everything, he like texted me like five minutes before and was like, hey, uh, sorry, I forgot about the interview and I'm already about to board my plane. Can we do it when I get off? So I was like, okay. So I set my alarm for an hour later, got ready, got up, did it again. Hey, sorry, my phone's acting up. It's, like, broken or something. So, like, that right there, like, I didn't end up getting an interview. And I never got the interview. I, even after, like, probably, we've probably sent, like, emails, like, five five emails back and forth, more messages back and forth, and then it just never came to fruition. But And now he's blown up. So, like, that was kind of, like, a just something tough, you know what I mean? But For sure. to go through that and then not get the interview and then see him blow up. So it's like, ah. but consistency as far as staying motivated and putting out a show regularly. And like you said, lining up the guests because sometimes they fall out. But how are you getting your guests? How are you finding them? How everybody else is. They see them, they watch them compete. If I enjoy them, if I think that they have something that's going to get them to the next level, then of course I want to talk to them. So, and sometimes I've talked to people that, 
maybe I don't know if they're going to make it to the next level, but their personality and the way they carry themselves and the way they approach the game makes me want to interview them. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it, it, the hard part is, or I don't know if you had this hard part early on, but early on the hard part was, hey, yo, will you be on Gravity Lab Radio? Uh, uh, maybe next time. Or They were very hesitant because nobody had a clue right. who or what we were doing. Now people know we're idiots and know what we're doing is being idiots. It's still so now funny, Now it's more though. like hell now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's still so funny to watch people get nervous when they sit down in that seat. Like mm. You seem really comfortable right away because you've done this. feels normal, right? But uh, it's really funny to see people who have listened to the show, people who know what the show's all about. They come and they're like, oh, man, I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Gi- give it 30 seconds of bullshitting and you're going to feel totally right. normal. You haven't done something yet tonight or I wasn't in the room when you moaned. What? Oh, yeah. I think that started earlier. Yeah. I was gone. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Getting guests at this point, have you gotten... Uh, now I'll go and ask somebody. Uh, Thomas Hughes I actually spoke to him recently. Like, hey, yo, I don't know if you've heard of Gravity Lab Radio. Yo, no, I know what you guys are doing. I've heard of you. Sweet man, you want to come be on the show? Yes. Mm. And it's made it so much easier that people are at least recognizing the name. How's that going with Canvas Conversation? Good, man. I, th- I think so. I think it's starting to build a little momentum. Um, the more, like, the guys that, that, that I'm talking to are using my name when they talk to me. So they'll call me Ben instead of just like man or guy or bro or dude or whatever. Sometimes that's kind of inner not very personal, but when they say your name to you and they say, Hey Ben, or Hey, what's up Ben? Or you call them and you've had a couple conversations with them. And then they ask you questions like, so what do you do for a living? And it, you, you're like, Oh, you're asking me like, you know, you kind of get on the spot when that happens, but I don't know, man. I just kind of forgot the question actually. That's all right, man. You know how this shit goes. So that's a good question. What do you do for a living? So I was an iFly uh, instructor, obviously, that's how we met, but I took a new job at Pure Spectrum. Pure, spec- Pure Spectrum. Uh, it's a CBD oil company in Evergreen, Colorado. Well, I want to talk a little bit about CBD. I think you know, man, I am in the gospel of CBD right now. I Dude, it's baptized me in CBD oil. I'm good to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but I really love the value. The use I've had of it has been great. But what do you do for Pure Spectrum? So right now I uh, started out in the fulfillment department there. Okay. Um, basically, now I'm just printing out all the orders and getting all the orders, made sure they're getting out right and on time. That's it. And how'd you first tie up with this company? Just on Facebook. I was looking. So I wanted, me and Amber have been talking about wanting to go to Colorado for a long time. uh, And now the the timing just kind of presented itself with me wanting to, you know, follow the career path of hopefully doing this and MMA and all that. I wanted to do something where I could do all that together. And... Oh, man, I think I just got really, really lucky with finding Pure Spectrum because they, uh, they're they doing one... First of all, they're doing a really great thing with the CBD, obviously, and I'm a huge supporter of that. So when I was on the job hunt, I was looking for jobs that I wanted to do, same as when I found iFly. It was just I wanted I want to wake up and do something that I'm motivated to do every day and that I could put my heart into. And... I'm a big believer in what cannabis, the plant, can do for people. So in moving to Colorado, I knew I had the opportunity to maybe have a job like that where I could be involved in that. So 
I started searching on Facebook CBD oil companies. I found Pure Spectrum, and I knew that they were involved with the MMA scene and Aljamain Sterling, who I've talked to before. And like a week before that on Twitter, me and him were talking about CBD oil, and he talked about Pure Spectrum. And so I recognized the name right away. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to apply. So I applied, sent him a message, and boom. Why CBDs? What is CBD? Uh, CBDs is cannabidiol oil. It's it's a extract from. It can be extracted from the cannabis plant or the hemp plant. We have to extract it from the hemp plant, um, just because that's the law, right? Yeah. So currently, federal law doesn't allow CBD extract. So hemp extract, which still has cannabidiol in it, mm-hmm. uh, just not to the same potency exactly. as a cannab- cannabis plant. Exactly. So they're taking it from a hemp plant, and uh, it's pretty cool because Pure Spectrum is kind of leading the way, I think, as far as the, I mean, it's in the name Pure, right? They're yeah. kind of leading the name or leading the way as far as, like, staying that clean route, too, and not involving any THC in our product. Um, we do a lot of third-party testing on our products and stuff to ensure that, and, you know, we get a certificate of... Uh, uh, not authenticity, but basically uh, a COA just providing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how clean and clear our products are. And it was cool. In the first week that I was working there, uh, my boss, Dan, he got interviewed by like the Channel 7 or 9 News. I can't remember which one. Just about how our product is one of the better, cleaner products out there. So it's it's awesome, man. One of the things you mentioned is zero THC. For for people to sell CBD stuff, it has to have less than 0.3 THC content. Mm. And many manufacturers, many producers of CBD oils push that limit mm. because it's hard exactly. to it's hard to express otherwise. It's hard to extract otherwise. Um, I've I've done a lot of research. There's other companies I've used, and I've looked at Pure Spectrum because of you actually. And there's no doubt it's one of the leading companies out there. Um, I I'm trying to remember the name of the report you said. But if a CBD oil company does not have that report posted, I'm just I'm not trusting their product. Exactly. It's a it's a purity. It's a clean thing. So a lot of people that THC is a super important statement because I recently became a CBD user. It's been a month, month and a half now, and they tell you there's no high THC is what's the psychoactive uh, property or the psychoactive uh, a drug in in marijuana. There's none of that. Mm. And people view CBD oil with me like, I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, you're not, dude. This is, <laughs> this is not a drug. This is medicine. You, more s- you sounded disappointed when you said, exactly. I'm not feeling it, bro. Exactly. Yeah. Well, one of my buddies said it that way. One of my buddies was like <laughs> depressed. I'm like, bro, I told you from the beginning, I sleep better. My joints don't hurt. My shoulders don't hurt. I have uh, my, my bad shoulder. My I had surgery on my left shoulder once upon a time. Mm-hmm. It's good. It doesn't hurt. My other shoulder, I might need a surgery on. I have some serious pain and issues. Um, dude, man, CBD. I started I'm, using I'm, it for that. I'm curious. Uh, I've, I haven't used CBD at all. Okay. I really am interested in it. I would like to. I'm super skeptical of everything. Like, I just believe... I mean... I, I just ask a lot of questions before I buy right, something. Yeah. So from, from the time someone starts taking CBD oil, like yourself, DJ, to the time where you start feeling a physical difference, what's that window like? Uh, for me, my first... Uh, so I tried CBD on a trip. I used it the first night, and I used it... I, so my first bottle is 1,000 milligram dosage. Mm. You can buy different levels, 250. I, I've, I've seen that. So 1,000 is in your more... Uh, 
maintenance lifestyle. It's just kind of minor stuff, maintenance, so joint pain, stuff like that. I took it for joint pain um, one night, and that night I slept different than I had slept in a very long time. I was on the road. I was traveling, so I questioned the bed, the location, everything. Didn't use it again until I got home. Used it in the morning. My shoulders weren't hurting, especially my right shoulder. Over about two weeks, three weeks, man, my shoulder pain has turned into nothing. You know I do push-ups every day. And uh, today, or the other day, I busted 25 push-ups out straight without thinking about it, which that used to, to wax my shoulder. So the pain's gone. Of course, I'm stronger from, from trying to be healthier. But man, when I started using it at night, day one, the first night I used it when I started using it consistently, I sleep like I've never slept before. I wake up. Um, what's that type of sleep? A restorative sleep, man. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely. I wake up groggy for the first minute and then go, boom. Dude, that was fucking worth it. That nap was worth it. So I've seen that right away. Anxiety, stress. Today we talked about my ability to do two things at once. I'm jealous of your ability to only do one thing at once. That quiet mind is, I, is something I respect. Quiet mind? Says who? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Valerie is that quiet mind. That, that's someone I can imagine having a quiet mind. But my ability to stand back, absorb, observe, and take in information, it's... This is what I've needed for my brain to balance out. This is something that, dude, I, you've heard me walk around the DZ the last two weeks telling everybody, you take this shit. It's fucking worth it. What's your answer and how long somebody sees an effect? Because that's just me being a See, crackhead. Okay, so my brain, my, my dismissive brain wants to say, oh, he's a fucking new guy. Like, yeah, it's just right. like, oh, yeah, I wonder. started taking snake oil yesterday and I feel great today. That's what, that's, that's what my brain says. It's CBD, not snake. <laughs> I mean, the truth of the matter is everybody's body's different. So they're all going to react differently to it. And for me personally, I don't feel like, like you said, that that somebody like took it and they're like, oh, I don't feel it yet. You don't have the, when you take CBD, at least for me anyways, I don't feel anything. You know what I'm saying? Like as Mm -hmm. far as like, I mean, if you take a hit from a bull, obviously you feel something. You know what I mean? Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> uh, if you were to do that, um, but we're not in Colorado anymore. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> um, uh, yeah, right. And uh, I just think it's a, it's it's a little bit different with everybody, but depending on the usage, like for me, if I'm waking up in the morning, if I want to kind of feel like um, like I've been working out really hard in the mornings, right? So when I first wake up in the morning, I just take a small little drop, right? Just because I'm trying to sustain energy. If I'm trying to get restful sleep, like DJ was talking mm-hmm. about, I'm going to take a bigger droplet, uh, dropper. It just depends. Um, we also have pens at Pure Spectrum, so I keep a pen with me. So sometimes, like, if I'm my back's sore from, like, sitting in the same spot while I'm doing something on the computer, editing videos or something, I'm sitting there in the same spot, and then I realize... Oh, I take a hit. A pen, like a little vape thing. Yeah, right? like a little pen vape. I don't know, vape, I don't know yeah. the words. That's out of my, that's out of my life. <laughs> got you. So a pen is like the little okay, battery. Yeah, you know okay, I mean? got you. Yeah. So, exactly. So <laughs> I just use one of those, boom. And not like I said, it's not like I feel, oh, oh I feel better. It's just. You stop hurting 15 minutes exactly. later. Exactly. It's about 20 minutes later. So you realize that pain that little annoyance isn't isn't there. So are you vaporizing it in the pen? Yeah. So yeah. you can vaporize it, you can take it orally. 
right? The, uh, I you mean, can, is it is CBD oil also like a candy thing, like marijuana edibles? Dude, yeah, we have gummies and stuff, but you can also use it topically. So we have creams and salves and lotions, and honestly, those are what I really love. So being an M- being training in MMA, I'm always getting beat up, obviously. So those salves are like my best friend. The I'm putting those on to relax myself, to help me recover. Uh, if I'm getting punched or kicked or elbowed or something like that, I'm getting bruises all over, you know what I mean? So I'm constantly using that stuff. Those topicals are game changers as far as recovery for bumps and bruises and stuff like that. So uh, I couldn't say more about those. I use the tincture just in, in the pen, like I said, occasionally. Um, just kind of like I feel like in my mind maybe a little preventative maintenance or something. But mm-hmm. when I'm actually like thinking, okay, I need to take my CBD or I need my CBD, it's it's the topicals I use. It's it's like he said, everybody's got that different effect. I looked for it for pain and inflammation management. Mm. So I don't think I'm going to take it regularly. But man, if as I've been in work for the last two weeks, if I'm around the drop zone, wherever I'm at, my ability to absorb information, I mentioned that earlier, also conflict that's presented to me no longer seems nearly what it once was just that quiet in my brain that i need but i still have my sharp edge man i i feel so much more balanced jen jen since no jen roan jen roan yeah jen you, i'm sure you saw I, her I post i did see that post Hard, yeah. yeah and she uses it from what i understand i i, the, I understand this because nicole shared it with her and, and i've actually uh that didn't read all the posts but it's uh, she uses it more situationally like hey i'm doing a record attempt my anxiety's up let Mm -hmm. me try this a buddy of ours um uh, he's just a real crappy human being who likes hugs a lot tried it because he doesn't sleep worth a shit and he came to me the next morning and said holy fuck i haven't slept like that in years so almost everybody i know who's used cbd uh and i'm i got more questions about topical and vape but the tincture the oil they all see immediate results for that time span not like like you said i don't feel anything i don't notice anything but man i came home with a really sore neck i maybe pop a little bit of cbd oil come out 20 minutes later man my neck's nice and loose that whiskey had nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> so man topical i'm i'm curious about that because i've really uh, i don't know I, I, so i'm now nick i don't that topical is that really worth it man that like i said i swear by that stuff that's my favorite stuff uh I, like I said, the the tinctures for me, I'm, yeah, I know it helps my inflammation and all that. So like, that's why I'm saying I take it for like preventative maintenance. But when I think of like I need to take it, it's it's like the salves and stuff like that, just because it's direct impact on wherever you want it, kind of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's where why the benefit is there. So a lot of the big questions I get when it comes to CBDs, I talk to my friends about it, is number one, the effects. Like, how, how do you feel? How soon do you feel? The number two question is obviously going to be the legalities of it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we hit a little bit on it, but it's still controversial mm-hmm. because federal government says none of this, but the Hemp Act of 2004, Farmers 2014, I forget the names of each act, allow hemp production. So it's a hemp product. So how legal is it to own pure spectrum in the United States? So there's a few states that we currently cannot ship to, and that's because of Big Pharma is basically... So the first week of that, I was there at Pure Spectrum. All of our packages were seized by... We are 
putting them out through UPS or through uh, the postal service and US, USPS, the mail. And all our packages got seized, like thousands of dollars worth of packages. So, and at first we had no idea why. Customers were just like letting us know that they weren't getting their packages and we had no idea why. There was like a period of time where they thought they were just all lost or something like that. They had just had no idea. Well, it turns out that Big Pharma is basically going lobbying to all these states and saying we need to make, because they're not getting in on it, on the CBD. So they're lobbying to basically make it, uh, I think it's Schedule 4 or Schedule, I don't even know, honestly, to be, I can't remember. What sk- Schedule something to where it's illegal, right? Um, one. Is it one? Yeah. Okay. Schedule one's the most controlled, yeah. Like marijuana now is Schedule 1. Yeah, and they're pushing for Schedule 1. So it's, it has no medical benefit, no medical use, no value whatsoever. Mm. So it's illegal completely. <laughs> this is supposed to be, the way I think that they were talking about it is this is supposed to be like beyond, like, like you can get in big trouble for having something like it. They're trying like, to make it a controlled substance. Oh, yeah, point, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with that going on, there's, I can't remember all, all the states that it is, but I know Tennessee's one of them, you know what I mean? So we have to like keep an eye out for like, Obviously, we have it set up on our online services that they can't order from us anymore. You know what I mean? We let them know um, your state's restricted or whatever. But, yeah, for most states, it's completely fine and legal. But A lot of our listeners are in Texas, and I'm going to guess because I do order CBD in Texas, we ship to Texas. Pure Specialist. We're all good. I, it's awesome. I see all the Houston orders going out all the time for Pure Spectrum, so it's really cool. There's already a lot of people in Houston that know about Pure Spectrum, obviously. Yeah, I think you helped a little bit with that influence, but they are big in the MMA community. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Aljo was one of the first ones I noticed that was hooked up. Uh, some words we used just recently, I just I just want to kind of top this off, or not top off, but think about this, is tincture is, picture like a little one-ounce bottle commonly is a size with a little eyedropper in it. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. fluid dropper. And yeah. you're just dropping oil in your mouth, um, commonly taking a full uh, milliliter. It's 30 milliliters as a bottle. A dropper is a milliliter. So you're getting about that in, so a 30th of an ounce. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is besides a milliliter. Um, uh, vape pens, a pretty obvious what it is. You can even smoke it in weed form. They actually, uh, Charlotte's Web is one of the best-known CBD weeds out there. Uh, CBD, I, I think... But you smoke it, but it's not like... It doesn't get you high like... Yes, yeah. it doesn't really, That's yeah. kind of silly. Dude, I've smoked well, CBD weed. Weed not silly. That's interesting. That was my introduction to CBD. Yeah. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, it was weed. Wow. I walked into a dispensary in Oregon, and I said, hey, yo, uh, you got pre-rolled CBD joints? The guy's like, yeah, we do. I want to try that. He's like, it's got no THC. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to try, one with no THC. I'm not against THC. Just mm-hmm. I want to see you try it, yeah. purely what it does. Mm-hmm. I smoke that joint. I smoke like three, four good drags off of it. He goes, yo, man, no drinking, no nothing. If you really want to see what this does, be completely a million percent sober. And enjoy it for half a day. And then after half a day, see if you notice anything with your shoulders. Before you smoke this, think about how you feel. Think about what's going on. Think about where you're at. And as you're going through the next day, think about how it feels. I stopped in another dispensary a little bit later, got uh, actually a tincture and then another joint and just finished a joint on the road and brought the tincture home. Mm. It's legal to own in the U.S. The question is, is it legal to ship in the U.S.? Is commonly the biggest problem people face. That's what you guys hit up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're ordering this from any company, it's not going to matter. If you have it, it's not illegal to have. The question exactly. usually comes down to it's legal to ship. Exactly. And I've had CBD oil shipped to me. A lot of our friends have now at this point. Um, 
I'm amazed how many people use it's like a closet drug. Have you noticed that? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you mean there's a lot of people using it and not talking about it? Oh dude. Yes. Yeah. I have a lot that of That seems so a little silly, and I guess maybe that it's just connected to marijuana and mar- marijuana is kind of a stigmatized thing. Yeah. Totally, that's why but, it's but I mean it's not marijuana, right? No. Like it's real it, to me But if it looks if anybody sees the green plant, bro, they just it's marijuana. Looks like a duck, sounds like a duck. Exactly. Yeah, I I've smoked weed in my life at some point or another. I have no <laughs> doubt what it's like to get high. I smoked that CBD CBD joint. I noticed nothing. I did what the guy told me later on that evening while we're hanging out. My shoulder wasn't hurting me and I didn't realize it except for I was like, "Man, I'm not having to stretch and roll it out. I'm not to deal with anything." Did it for a few days and I it's that's the only thing I feel is better. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely I think that I'm most interested in I don't sleep very well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm a pretty active person. I exercise a lot. Usually, there's at least one thing on me that's that's sore, and that doesn't bother me. To me, that's just like part of being an active person. It's just like, oh yeah, my my legs are tired today, whatever. But uh, it doesn't seem to matter what else I do for for sleep. Of like, oh, I'm gonna, I've I've been sleeping with earplugs for the last two years, and now I can't sleep without them. And it's like, God, do I need an eye mask? Do <laughs> I need like my own? Like, do I need to kick the girlfriend out of the bedroom? What, do I sleep better on the couch? I don't know. But no, nothing seems to work. So that's the biggest thing that intrigues me is I, I, I just want to sleep better. But um, you want to try some? I got, dude, I got extra. I'll squeeze your little bottle out. No, I'm, I, would, I would rather buy some and just have it. Okay. Then, uh, so if anybody watching is interested in trying it, I do recommend Pure Spectrum. Um, if you guys have any questions, though, like regarding stuff, you can just send me a message. Like before you buy something, if you're curious about something, because it's not, it's not exactly cheap, right? No. But it's worth it. Okay. So, uh, also, if you guys use Canva, Canvas Ten, you get a discount ten percent. Oh, word. Word. Canvas nice. Ten, the Canvas number ten. Canvas Ten, yeah. Perfect. C a n v a s ten. You get a little discount, one oh, zero. I want to hit that price for one second because I'm not going to lie, man. CBD oil very quickly gets distracting because of the price. Yes. Try it once. Exactly. And you will either find it's worth it or you won't. It's worth a, an, an, an investment, an exploration. So let, let's just say I'm going to spend some, I'm, I want a little tincture. That mm-hmm. just makes sense to me. Right. What, what am I going to spend for this, for this little bottle of stuff? 250 milligram tincture, I believe it's like a $59 bottle. Okay. Around there. So I think in that's 250 milligrams, how, how strong is that in the world of, of CBD? It's, it's, n- it's just like introductory steps. Okay. So you're going to definitely sleep better. You're going to notice it. and But the more, it's not going to last you very long. Mm-hmm. It's not about the um, percentage that you're taking uh, with the 250 milligrams. It's just that it's not going to last too long because it's a smaller bottle. So my just and do my super limited. I would recommend going with a thousand a thousand milligram bottle, because you just take a quarter of the dropper. You got two fifty. Exactly. You take half the dropper. So I take five hundred milligrams at night, five hundred milligrams in the morning, and when I've had a super uh, sore day, Rabbit and I went hiking the other day. A memorial had a good day. Did you say hiking? We're in Houston. I know. Yeah. Dude. Have you ever? You uh, went for a walk. Let's we, be we, real. We went for a four mile <laughs> walk in the woods, uh, and there was a lot of up and down. No, done. Memorial actually does have some pretty, yeah. some pretty places for being in the middle of Houston. And they've got some pretty gnarly bike trails, and we just walked a lot of it too. Um, came home a little bit sore. I took an extra dose, so I like the idea of the thousand milligram bottle only because it's more expensive. It's not four times more expensive. 
and you can just take that quarter. So I, I'm a big fan of buying the bigger dose. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, definitely buy the bigger dose, I think. Um, I'm not just trying to, like, this is just my honest opinion. I think you're going to get hooked, probably, and you're going to be like, oh, I want I'm going to get hooked on drugs? Yeah, hooked on drugs. I'm going to okay. call mom. Hard drugs. Okay. <laughs> no, I just think you're going to really enjoy it, and I think it's going to help your sleep, and you're going to be like, okay, I, I need more. And instead of just, like, I'm just basically being a friend. Buy the bigger bottle, buy the 1250 bottle. And it's like he said, you only have to take a half a dropper of it and give it 30 minutes. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. It's not, and it's not going to make you like pass out. So if you ended up like, say you this take your dropper. This is the confusing part for me is it's like you take it to wake up. You take it to go to bed. You take it to feel like. <laughs> yeah, right. So what, exactly. doesn't, what doesn't it do? Exa- exactly. What That's why Big Pharma's fighting it. Exactly. That is exactly why Big Pharma's fighting it because it's. It's such a good thing for all of these things. You know what I mean? Think about it. If if you're doing something to relax yourself, if, if you're giving your body something that's going to give you um, a relaxing effect, that's going to reduce inflammation, it's going to do all those things, it's naturally going to make you feel better for, uh, you know, give you more energy. But also when you want to go to sleep, it's probably going to be helpful for you falling asleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you just feel better, it's easier to do what you want to do. It it does everything. I, I got a dozen friends who use it. Back to we have mutual friends that you probably won't be shocked to know they use it, but they just don't want to advertise it because of the stigma of marijuana. Um, dude, it everybody has a different use for it. I have friends who it's a mental balance, friends who it's a joint pain issue, friends who use it for a topical, and you're not the only friend I've, I've heard say this now. Um and we're all using it for different things. People who use it for emotional maintenance, that's what I would call what I'm using it for. That my initial use was the shoulders. Man, the emotional maintenance is it's a daily use for me. So you might find a different use. You might find a night use only just for sleeping. You might find a day use only just for whatever lifestyle. Making myself tolerable to the world. <laughs> Man, Making the world tolerable to you. Yeah, that's the, I, I can put up with the world, but I do worry about how how it goes the other way. You will become more taught, man. It it really just the way I think, feel, process. I don't feel like I've lost a step. I was always afraid of prescription drugs. I've I've had doctors say, "Hey, you know, you could use this medication." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, I'm a little cuckoo, but I, I'm good. I can control this in my life. I'm okay with this." And it's never been a strong recommendation, but it's been like, hey, no, you can benefit from this. And uh, no, man, A, I want to be me. And part of being me is being a strong guy, but part of being me is I don't want to lose the edge that that drug is going to knock off on. And that's one of the things I heard about CBD is you're not going to lose the edges. And it's some miracle drug. There's no doubt it sounds like fucking snakeskin oil um, because it seems to fix whatever ails you. Charlotte's Web is the best-known, strongest CBD weed out there, and it was uh, named after, and i, I, I got to remember this right, but the young lady's name is Charlotte from Australia, and it was one of the 
big first publicly known cases of CBD use uh, curing uh, epileptic seizures in children. From 30, 40 epileptic, epileptic seizures a day, am I saying that word mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, to one here and there. Well, I know that that's not possible because marijuana is a Schedule One drug, which means there's no medical benefits whatsoever. Yeah, and so that's what my mom <laughs> keeps telling Isn't that me. such a crazy thing? Dude. Like, yeah. I, I have a cousin who um, she has uh, multiple sclerosis yeah. and a host of other things that uh, she was in a wheelchair for a, a couple of years. And th- it was to a point where... We, I, I called her to say, hey, nice knowing you. I mean, it was a lot more sentimental than that, but that was the purpose of the phone call of like, hey, I love you. You know, I hope everything's going as well as it can go. It kind of, this was my you know, my last phone call to the cousin of like, maybe this person's just not going to make it, you know. And then uh, someone started sneaking to Colorado to get her marijuana and marijuana things. And it gave her an appetite back. Mm-hmm. It helped her sleep. It mm-hmm. helped her. It helped every part of her body feel better. And it's like, man, I, I understand that there are stigmas around certain things, but I mean, God, we gotta let some shit go, dude. And uh, I mean, I I don't like I don't use marijuana. I think I can tell by the way you said it. <laughs> I don't use. Ma- <laughs> do you do marijuana? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't do those drugs. <laughs> but it's like, man, if if that helps anybody, I mean, what what. What really are we holding on to? That's that's. Uh, I guess big pharma probably has a huge influence. As, huge. As, as much as I think it uh, sounds a little silly to get into like conspiracy sound and stuff about the man, you know. Uh, I totally, you know, I know how much money the healthcare industry makes, and uh, people that make a lot of money have a lot of influence. So I guess it all makes sense. But man, like to be a, a closet CBD oil user just sounds a little crazy to me. Totally. And it's sad that we have to live in that world, bro. That you have to be, people have to be closet CBD users. And <laughs> it sounds so silly. It, like, it, it, right? It's, it's ridiculous. Like a, it's like a closet aspirin taker almost. Right? I mean, not that I think aspirin's great for you, but it's like, man, it's probably the same level of like, yes, this, it's bad people. Honestly, use I think aspirin aspirin's bad, bad for you. Like, I, and I, I would agree with you. I don't, I'm not a medicine sort of right, person. Right, right. I, I just, I really believe in the benefits of CBD and I just, it's, that's part of why I wanted to get involved in this obviously, but also to, because I'm against that stigma. I, there's such a negative stigma around marijuana and cannabis and it can be super helpful for a host of reasons. Yeah. There are a small percentage of people that obviously smoke weed and do nothing with their lives. Right. But there's also a percentage of people that drink and do nothing with their lives and do a ton of other shit and do nothing with their lives. There's a small percentage of those people, but there's also a large percentage of people that smoke weed and do all the other good things in the world. I know people that smoke weed and have families and hold down full-time jobs and do, you know, everything that is a, a typical good person doing, but they also smoke weed or they also use CBD, which I, in my opinion is perfectly fine and Mm -hmm. if it's helping them and it's not hurting anybody else then why isn't it legal why aren't we using it why why aren't we harvesting and learning more about that plant you know it's sad that we spent all those years cultivating tobacco when we should have been cultivating marijuana and hemp and learning more about that plant and those uses because there are serious medical benefits for the plant. Well, that being said, do, do you think that there will be big companies that invest in cannabis in the future and turn it into the next 
Why tobacco. haven't they? Yeah, Shit, and what, I hope so. <laughs> they and what, need and what, to. what makes you hope so? Just because, I, I th- like I said, I think everything, like erasing that stigma, getting rid of that stigma, I think can create just like, oh God, I, I don't even, I can't even maybe put it into words how good I think it could be for everyone overall. But basically, I think the medical benefits, if, if we can understand them the best of our capabilities, who knows what those benefits, how, how good those benefits could be, basically. Man, it's... Nick, you kind of joke around and tease me, and I don't blame you. I'm a hunter jump wonder who's super excited about skydiving, and I'm like selling everybody skydiving right now. And you hunter jump wonders keep selling all your friends skydiving. Thank you. Yeah, spread this in business, please. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm not talking shit. I it, it's what you do, but it's a good thing. Um, the same way with CBD oil. But how do I believe it works? I also have used CBD oil for my dog. Scrappy, I think you've heard, is freaked the fuck out. By lightning, by storms, by rain. The boy starts drooling and there's puddles this big on our floor. He, at night, if there's a storm, his kettle, his, his kennel like rages. It shakes violently. So um, I gave him CBD oil the other night during a bad storm. 20, 30 minutes later, bad storm still rolling. He'd still be freaked out. He's kind of chilling. He went for a walk in a thunderstorm. No thunderstorm here, but lightning, light, I mean, he didn't like it. He didn't love it, but he's like, Dude, we're cool, Dad. I can do this. And I don't think it's a placebo for my dog. I don't think my dog's a hunter jump one. They're all cracked out on skydives. Um, I mean, it sounds crazy, but, and they sell CBD products for your dogs. They sell chews. They sell tablets. They sell tinctures. They sell all of it for your dog. I don't, I don't see a dog, you know, vaping on a pen, but other than that, it's all there. <laughs> Would yeah. you say he's ready for solo free fly? Uh, solo free fried looking to build. Man, I do want to take a quick break. I want to take a quick moment. Justin, man, uh, thanks for chiming in. Recently, you and I got our car a little touched up, a little detail, dude. How's the Trackhawk looking, homie? Oh, it looks amazing. There's a whole new dimension to the paint and everything else. Trackhawk? That's what it is? Yeah. Trackhawk. Trackhawk. So Jeep's got this badass. I don't know if y'all saw that Jeep uh, Cherokee out on the front. It's a Trackhawk. It's a 707 horsepower freaking Jeep. All-wheel drive. Yeah. Damn. It spins all four tires. Yeah, dude. It's, it's a really? fast-as-fuck yeah. car, dude, right? I got to see that. Yeah, I actually had uh, a guy in one of the groups I'm in recently drag raced a stock uh, GTR. And beat it in a quarter mile. Yeah. What's it, what's that thing running a quarter? Uh, mid elevens. So car nerdery aside, man, I, I got. <laughs> I, I love the confidence that you answered right? that question he's, with, dude. Mid elevens. He's <laughs> fucking balling. That's fast. he's fucking balling, dude. That's almost a second faster than my charger is. Wow. Yeah, dude. No mid elevens. So that's a sleeper, right? Yeah. <laughs> you 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 could you could pull up next to. Let's say you pull up to to me to to DJ's Mustang. Yeah. How how are you guys gonna do when you when you? I'm not gonna try. Yeah, because <laughs> when but I try, it looks like I'm not trying. <laughs> no, but I guess if you pulled up next to Justin, you wouldn't expect a race. Looking at his car, right? I would, because I know what I'm looking at. But fuck no, fuck yeah. no. If I'm the average I've, Mustang owner, I pull up next to Justin. <laughs> I'm gonna like watch this boy front front. I'm gonna take off and see him leave me standing still. Do yeah, you rev the engine in anybody? Because that's what I would do. No, not really. No. Nope. Mm. We that, that's the the other thing is like I want to race more vehicles, but they don't want to. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, people. I had a, a, a SRT Charger actually on the freeway a few days ago. See me and like blow by me real fast, and of course I caught up to him and blew right by him because he knew what vehicle it was, and he like I you know eventually slowed down because of traffic. He came up next to me. He's like, 
Fuck yeah, that's <laughs> badass. So how, how are you guys keeping these whips looking so clean? Um, dude, yeah. the good guys detailing, man. The good guys, uh, they recently picked up with the show. But before we actually used them as an uh, advertiser, Justin and I actually wanted to check them out personally. So we were both customers. Uh, the good guys detailing. Uh, actually, Justin, Andres reached out to you first, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I jumped with them in Dallas at the Boogie last year. So super good dude. He's a skydiver, and I'm a huge, huge advocate of supporting a local economy, be supporting supporting family-owned business. Pure Spectrum's a perfect example of that. I've been doing a little research into Pure Spectrum, by the way. I'm cool. doing a lot of research into different CBD companies. But um, yeah, so, reach out to good guys. They we got ceramic coatings, full detail jobs. So they did a three-stage cut and polish on our cars. In other words, they polished our cars in three different stages: full wash, three stages of polish. Then they put what's called a ceramic pro coat on it. The car, A, washes off like it's nothing. B, when mud and dirt splashes up, it wipes. It don't wipe off. You don't wipe it off, but it hoses off very easily if it needs to be hosed off at all. Um, it gets dirty and dusty over time. Windshields, man, I don't use my windshield wipers much. Do you? No, not much at all. Dude, it is like Rain-X on steroids for your mm. entire paint job. It's super freaking ridiculous. I've been wanting to get this done. It's like a $1,000 process um, at a lot of places. Good guys, I... I uh, I, uh, their prices are a little bit cheaper than average, so that's super nice. The, um, but it, it's just great. Most I, people will do it like just on their wheels, for example, yeah. to where they can just hose it off and all the brake dust is gone. But getting it on your whole paint, like it makes it dent scratch resistant. Uh, if it rains, it just sheds right off of it. Like next level wax, you don't ever have to wax it. Yeah. It's got a super long warranty. So I love the ceramic coat. That's what I've done to my car. Justin's done to his car. Um, if you've got like a nice showpiece, I know uh, one of our buddies, Chad, has a nice vet. Uh, mm. What's that guy? Mike Fisher. He's got a nice vet. The, if Mike you got, Fisher had it done to his wheels on his Z06. Dude, I would do it to the whole car. It's well yeah. worth it. It it increases chip and scratch resistance. Ship bouncing up off your car. Look at videos for Ceramic Coat Pro and see what's out there. They're banging lighters on the paint job and not leaving marks. It's a very nice protective coating. Damn. So, but they're the same company is going to be able to just pimp out my van too, right? So from <laughs> there, I, I don't have that candy ass paint job. I'm They'll sorry. Throw in a, a stained twin mattress to go with it. Oh my god! Please. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, Andreas came back and he just gave us a straight wash in detail. So the good guys detailing, they do the super high-end, super nice thing. And if you want to do this to your plane, your car, your boat, your RV, highly recommend thinking about your RV. He just did a really nice motorhome. That's great. But if you just want to wash in a detail, anywhere in Texas, the good guys detailing is mobile. They'll come to you. He came with a mobile van. I Dude, he hooks up to my water, but he's got like a $500 filter system that takes the water on my faucet and makes sure he's using clean water on yeah, my car. Yeah, it's like near RO quality. That yeah. thing's nuts. Wow. It's, it's ridiculous. So they'll do a straight wash in detail. They will do this. They'll wax your car. They'll pull whatever you need. They're mobile. They're based out of Austin, so you can check them out in Austin, no problem. Um, I can't remember their address or, or where they're uh, uh, where they're at. Sorry. Well, luckily for you, anyone listening to this is near a phone or computer. And on the phone, you can reach Andreas <laughs> at 512-749-9087. Hit up the good guys. You can text them or call them. Uh, texts are usually better. He's It's easier for him to communicate. 512 749 9087. Check out the Good Guys Detail TX on Facebook uh, or on Instagram, the Good Guys Detail uh, TX. Man, they do a super dope job. If you're a USPA member, show them your USPA membership or show or mention Gravity Lab Radio. Any of the above, he's going to give you 10% off any of those uh, major jobs. So 
Check him out. I'm super, super happy with him, man. Me too. Hey, while we're talking about uh, companies we like, you, you know what happened to me this, this week? Dude, I know you uh, had to send a Cypress in or something. My Cypress is out of date, yeah. Yeah. You know when you buy a Cypress and you're like, oh, four years? Yeah. That's forever. Four <laughs> yeah. years is never actually going to happen. I remember buying my Cypress in 2014, being like, yeah, 2018. Good luck. Never coming. It's never going to happen. But uh, shout out to Velocity Sports Equipment. My uh, new rig's going to be I showing up I was typing shout out as Were you said <laughs> shout out. <laughs> so um, SSK is a company who, uh, when your Cypress comes up for maintenance, uh, they're the ones in the U.S. that take care of it. And uh, they've uh, supported both you and I, and mm-hmm. were a huge. Uh, my first real interaction with them is when they sponsored the Look to Build event, and they said, "Hey, uh, here you, there are a few of our athletes participating in this event. We want to take care of you guys." They sent us a huge box of smoke and shirts and do what are the buffs and all that, and uh, got a little closer with them through through this whole process. But um, sending in my Cypress was. You know when you do anything in the skydiving world, how like the websites don't work how they're supposed to, and the service is just kind of wonky, and it feels like it's like you're almost inconvenienced to try and get service from these companies. It was the exact opposite of of all mm. of that. Their website worked exactly how you would you would think. the the only The only complicated part uh, for someone who's who's maybe not a full time skydiver is I just the the Cypress that I'm sending in was still in a rig, so I walked up to the loft, I popped a pin. Uh, Matthew helped me pull it out, which was a super, super short process. And then I put it in a box and printed off the service sheet that was automated by going through the, the website. And, uh, man, it was super easy. It's already, it's already on its way. I did that recently with mine. Same, through, same thing through SSK. And a lot of my friends jump at drop zones where they don't have somebody to send the Cypress in for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I have more of the peculiar, peculiarity of I just don't like relying on anybody. I don't need to do this. I'm going to get this shit done myself. I, yeah, I'm definitely a, I like to be self sufficient. Yeah. And I mean, the, the pro shop's great. Yes. But I would much rather not, especially being someone who works there and jumps as much as I do. I don't want to delay someone else's rig order because I think that getting my Cypress serviced is more important than them, you know? So um, it's super easy to, I mean, you don't need to involve anybody else. Um, super easy to uh, to go through the process, and they do the same thing with uh, with LMB altimeters also. Yeah. And Cypress and LMB both super awesome products. LMB, their you know their service, their willingness to help people out. It's a it's a hard company to to rival with at all. And just with that being said, don't be the shithead that breaks their altimeter and sends it back into LMB when you when you obviously messed up. If there's ever a problem with any of their products, man, I've, they're oh, super dude. super happy to. Uh, to replace it but when you drop your altimeter and you smush it and then you want to make up a story about why they owe you a new one don't abuse this company who is so nice that they'll probably still give you that new altimeter but um <laughs> but uh the the service uh through ssk is is just like that they're super helpful super uh super reliable and it's something that actually makes it 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 works so well that it doesn't feel like it's a skydiving company it doesn't feel like it's uh run by skydivers so most people have no clue they dealt with ssk you own a cypress in the u.s the western hemisphere they deal with a lot of for service and distribution they're just a go-to they have that uh i, I want to say it's an exclusive deal with AirTech cypress to, to be that dc that distribution center and service center i don't know if it's exclusive but nobody else does it so at least it acts that way and uh we just don't know they exist man but they are one of the strongest customer service i, I do a lot of work with lmb um 
and one of my alignments and one of the reasons I love LMB is customer service is just paramount to them. And uh, Nick, dude, I so I'll tell on myself a little bit. There's a few of us who run admin on Facebook for LMB. I'm one of them who sees a lot of stuff only because when we do live feeds, I do live feeds for them. But I see a lot of Facebook messages come across my phone of, hey, uh, this is what I did to my altimeter. Can you replace it? (laughs) And a lot of you guys and gals are putting legit questions and legit things out there. So if you sent Facebook message to LMB, you're probably doing good. But about once every three weeks, I see one where I'm like, you're retarded, bro. I'm glad I'm not the guy. I had this altimeter for seven years and then I smashed it. Yeah. Can I have a free one? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> totally, bro. I'm glad other people answer that stuff because I'd be like, get bent, bro. Yeah, you're retarded. Yeah. I mean, I, I just <laughs> want to see those companies be able to continue to give the amazing service yeah. that they give because they're not being exploited by people who are looking for handouts. And that's where SSK excels, man. They are helping people out. They take care of people. Your turn time to get your Cypress back is usually as quick as possible. I'll warn people when you send your Cypress into SSK, it sometimes takes longer because if they find certain issues, AirTech requires it to be fixed in Germany. All right, but who doesn't want safety to be the very right. first concern when you're dealing with something yeah. like an AAD? Man, it's a uh, so SSK Meh. for sure. Check them out. Um, and then I am trying to to work with them to get a uh, coupon code of some sort going for our listeners too. So right on. So man. hopefully that comes down the pike. Oh yeah. Have you made a skydive, Ben? I know one. One, one. Just one. Yeah. I wish you got a better videographer for that jump, keeping you on the top of the frame, Boer. Bro. <laughs> I wish I had <laughs> Ivan with me. I wish I had my boy Ivan with uh, me. What are you doing tomorrow? Weighing in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. In. Maybe <laughs> Saturday, though. Here, What's hang on. I want to talk about skydiving just for a minute, just, yeah, for, just for our fans, because that's what most of them are here for. When was your first jump? Two, maybe two years ago? On June two years 20th? Ago. And so you were a tunnel instructor before you ever made a skydive, right? Yeah. So how did you start tunnel tunnel flying without skydiving experience? Because most of the time it goes the other way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Man, like like I said, I just wanted to find something that I wanted to do. So did you have any tunnel time before you started working there? Zero. None. Absolutely zero experience. So you walked into an interview with iFly, no flight experience? Zero. None. With John Walker and Jen Forrester, and John just basically asked me, he's like, so why do you want to do this? And I told him I thought it looked really fun, and uh, I thought I could do it. And I told him that I wrestled in college and stuff, and I think that they basically were like, "Ah, oh, this he'll be a good." He like, can manhandle some yeah, first time exactly. flyers. Yeah, He'll be a he'll be a good grunt for us. So, so you you started after the Memorial Tunnel opened. I was there. I think it was open maybe a month or so before I, think it, I got there. Wasn't Jen the GM when you? She wasn't the GM, but she was... She was so like, was Hyder the not, GM? Not yeah, Jason, yeah, Jason was. Jason okay. Was, she wasn't not, not okay. the regional manager. Yeah, Maybe they were calling her the like city that. manager yeah. or something. Yeah, that was it. She was a, in charge of Memorial and Woodlands. Exactly. I remember. City manager sounds familiar. Yeah. So, man, you learned how to fly really well in a pretty short period of time. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. How, uh, what, what were the uh, things you... How did you learn so fast? That's what I'm trying to ask you. Uh, in the beginning, I just was really dedicated. I, when I get into something, I get really into it, and I just was staying late. Um, I think a lot of staying late and coming early, and I think a lot of it was uh, watching other people. So uh, luckily I had, on, in the beginning when we first started, there was a lot of good flyers there. And coming through, we had, um, obviously, Tex, I've learned he's, Tex is probably... 
since we've worked together the longest showed me probably the most him and John Walker. Um, those two, I mean, John probably showed me more about like being an instructor and all that, but as far as the flying aspect, I probably learned the most from Tex and John Walker from just straight flying. Uh, but I also had Nick Flo there for a while. He was a real shredder too. Um, he taught me a lot. Uh, he was just a really big influence as far as like kind of your, he, he's really into flying, like super into his craft and, and watching that and seeing the way he approached it and just seeing how dedicated he was. Like I remember him, the Rones coming into town one weekend and he's like trying to get as much time with them as he could, just blowing all his money to get as much time and explaining to me like how he didn't care if he was broke and couldn't eat. He was going to sacrifice that basically to get this time with them because this is his life kind of a deal. You know what I mean? And just seeing that, I was like, okay, you know, and then seeing the drive that like guys like Tex have that, like this is all they want to do all the time. Like that just kind of inspired me to want to get better and better and learn more and more. So, you know, I had Jason Shavanovic show me a lot of stuff too. And just everybody, all these really good flyers that I took little pieces of from, from everything. And then I had Ivan who, would just be in there with me all the time. So anytime I wanted to go fly, I would just grab him. Got to have that wingman. Exactly. So, and honestly, I learned a lot from just doing that. So sometimes we'd be at different points in our progression. Maybe I'm showing him something, but even that helps me too. You know what I mean? So it does seem like, like a lot of the really good flyers I know are people who teach it a lot yes. because they have to be able to explain it and demonstrate it cleanly to someone to, to teach it to them so they get a lot of reps of doing it the, the right way. And uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, that those are the people who are, who are doing it right. Yeah. Uh, how, how long did you work there? <clears throat> almost, almost four years. Mm-hmm. So did did you notice a time like when your skills plateaued or um, like how did the learning curve change as you spent more time there? Uh, there was, it was like this, you know, there was always, there was definitely plateaus that I would hit and I'd be like, okay, I can't figure this out or this out or get this series to go together. And uh, especially with like static. So like for me, uh, most of my stuff, obviously, dynamic guys, is right. Yeah, it's, 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 that's just where it's, it's kind of the the trend at the es- moment, especially, especially in tunnel flying. Right? Yeah, exactly. So like, and in our tunnel is a very dynamic styled flying tunnel. I guess like that's what a lot of us do. There, Boer used to try and push di- or uh, static a lot, but after he left it, like nobody would just get in there and do static as far as instructors, right? So, I mean, learning that whole aspect was like tough for me because I wasn't super motivated and it didn't look super fun to me to just like be taking docs and stuff. But then wanting to get into the challenge of being able to, to take those docs and to get in there with skydivers that would want to get in there with me and invite me in. Like I can remember being a year in and some guys asking me if, uh, if I wanted to go in with them and I was just like, uh, no, you guys go ahead. I'll just stay here. But by the you know two late two years later, you know I'm good friends with all the skydivers and and flying with them and having fun with them and man I I think I wrote in a post to you guys to just everybody in Houston like how much I appreciate skydivers like you guys are a trip like 
I, I, I see all the videos and all the, hear all the conversations and I've been, uh, I mean, as close as you can be without being in the circle, I feel like. And it's just the community is like, man, you guys have each other's backs and it, it reminds me of martial arts. You know what I mean? Once you're in that community, you're like your family. You know what I mean? So I feel like kind of the redheaded stepchild of the family. So it's nice. Hey, 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 watch the racist comments. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I like to say, I've probably said on the show before, you come for the skydives, you stay for the friends, for the skydivers, you stay right. for the people. And I think you are definitely in the circle. You say that you're not. No, you definitely skydiver see you, know you. Um, I think a lot of us forget or don't realize you don't have skydives because you definitely fit in. Skydivers are more people than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but you say it's a lot like martial arts and martial arts and skydiving. Do you think your wrestling background helped you learn to fly better, that body awareness? For sure, 100%. I feel like if I didn't have that background of all those years of not only wrestling but jujitsu and taekwondo and, you know, all that stuff. If I didn't do all that stuff when I was a kid, I wouldn't have the range of motion. I feel like the, like some stuff, like I feel like I only am or was able to only learn it so quickly because of that background. How you many know? things with martial arts and with flying is just like, what are your hips doing? Exactly. It's in its small minuscule like movements. And that's, that was easy for me to figure out because I know how to use my hips, and I I use my hips in my wrestling. And you hear that, ladies? All the time, <laughs> <laughs> lady. Oh, she heard it. Was that you? Yeah, that was nice. That was mm. nice. Um, <laughs> it, it, so a new flyer. A lot of times we see new flyers, whether it's in the tunnel or in the sky, they show up and they have zero lower body awareness. Most people's lower body awareness is seeing their feet up on a recliner watching some TV show tonight. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, Seriously. I'm there to myself as well, but. Do you think it's important as a new jumper, as a new flyer, that I get engaged in other bilateral sports where I'm using, like, soccer, hacky sack, hack, hack circles Dude. used to be the thing on Drop Zones, Ivan, right? And hack circles are a good way to kill a rainy day, keep your friends together. Hack circles? Yeah, hacky so, sack. Is that a bunch of tandem instructors all sitting <laughs> oh. talking to each other? I'm going to go ahead and post a list of burn centers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like double getting aware of your feet, doing things. How important is that bilateral engagement? For sure, absolutely. I mean, if you want to take on another sport, just to you know, I mean, uh, uh, prop your game up for sure. Do it. I mean, yoga, yoga would be great. Uh, we used to do a yoga night at the tunnel every once in a while, which was super cool. Uh, just even working on your own flexibility in your own time, bending over and touching your toes every once in a while, stretching and like, yeah, like. Do, spending some time on thinking about your body because if if you have a good relationship with your body physically, you're going to be able to do things athletically that you want to do. If you're not spending time with your body and you don't devote time to understanding how your body works and, and what your capabilities are as a human being physically, then you can't expect yourself to go learn how to fly head down and do all these crazy things you want to do if you don't even know the basics of how your body works and moves and bends and all that. So I spent a lot of time understanding my body and learning how to use it and how to uh, get the most out of it. So, so you say you grew up using it, wrestling, jujitsu, taekwondo. Um, martial arts is, is a big part of your life now. Martial arts has always been a big part of your life. 
But now, actually, this Friday night, you're going to be doing something special. What's going on this Friday night? Yeah, so this Friday night is a long time coming. Uh, I'll be making my MMA debut. And in Tomball, no, Conroe. Humble. Humble. Humble man, Civic Center. I, I get that whole period confused, man. I, I know, do. I know. It's north of Beltway, bro. I don't know where anything is north of the loop. Dude, after four mm. years of being here, yeah, is that, I is would that Canada? Maps most of the time. Still. Dude, that's Yankee territory, homie. <laughs> Yankees. Um, Cage Warriors 39, am I saying? Is it the right 32. organization? 32. Cage, Cage Combat 32. Combat. Cage Combat. It's like, I, I know I got Cage and a three in there somewhere. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're close. Cage close Combat enough. 32. This yep. is your MMA debut. Correct. So you've been training wrestling for how long? Uh, Wrestling? <sighs> Since... Uh, fourth grade, I think. Fourth grade. So, is that your longest art? Is that your longest? Well, what have you? Yeah, did? Okay. yeah. I've pro- I've definitely done the most wrestling, for sure. And then you started jujitsu when? Uh, ninth, eighth or ninth grade. Eighth, some the summer going into my ninth grade year. And how long did you wrestle for? Uh, to this day. Yeah, I still am always practicing. And you wrestled in high school, and through college, and through college. Um, any. Any achievements there? Anything that stands out? Uh, for sure. I mean, I was a national placer, an all-American, a state oh, placer, yeah. a Greco state champion, freestyle state champion. So, I mean, some pretty decent accolades. Oh, dude, there's a lot of shit that stands out right there. There's no doubt about it. You're not Daniel Cormier. No, You're no. You're better looking than him. Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. You. you got your tooth. Oh, he got his back. Yeah. yeah. Um. So was he missing a tooth? For a while? He was missing. He was missing parts of for a little bit. There's quite a few interviews of him with a with a big old gap. He got it back. What? A few weeks ago. I remember right. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, dude, I so you know how new jumpers follow skydiving and they know everything about skydiving? I don't follow the sport. It comes to me. I follow MMA like a junkie, man. I it's I listen to way too much of this crap. Um, jujitsu, what belt? Uh so that's an interesting thing. I'm only a white belt in jujitsu because I didn't train the gi very long. Um, okay. I was doing a lot of no-gi jiu-jitsu. So I just recently at War Training Center in Tomball with uh, Coach Jeremy Mahon, who's my head coach right now for this for this fight and everything, um, he's, he got me into the gi. So I had a, you know, I had a idea of all the grappling, but gi is a different game because you can hold on to stuff and you can use the gi to do use to create chokes and to just create setups. Uh, a lot of martial arts is setups, so it's kind of a chess game with your body, and it's setting up the pieces of the board correctly to get the submission or to get the checkmate, right? So jujitsu with the gi is a, it's a different game, so to speak. So I've been learning that over the last few months, and so in that aspect with the gi, I'm only a white belt. Just because we have a lot of people here who I'm sure don't have any, any interest in uh, martial arts. But yeah, so a gi is the is the white bathrobe looking thing, exactly. right? Pajamas. <laughs> the PJs. And, a, and a white belt's a very beginner belt. Yeah, there's white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. So why, why did you pursue no gi jujitsu before before going to the gi? Because I wanted to improve my wrestling originally. Uh, so I did some submission grappling tournaments and stuff like that that I would do in the summertime, and I competed at Edge MMA in Colorado. Uh, it's a underground literally underground gym where a bunch of wrestlers and mma fighters and boxers and muay thai guys would go to and i would go in there and just like that's kind of why i was doing jujitsu and stuff just because 
I would show up early before a wrestling practice and they were doing jujitsu. And if they're on the ground, I thought, well, I wanted to be the best person at anything on the ground at that time. So I'd, I would get on the ground, you know, and, and do jujitsu with them. Did you, when you started jujitsu, realize you were going to go for an MMA career at some point? Uh, I messed around with like, like I said, I did Taekwondo when I was a kid and I felt like I excelled in that, like just as far as like the little sparring stuff. And when I was in wrestling, I used to like run down the road and throw punches and stuff like that. And, uh, I would mess around with the Muay Thai guys and the kickboxers when I'd see them in the gym just to like kind of try and learn a little bit. You know, I, I just wanted to protect, learn how to protect myself with my hands a little bit too, you know, just in case or something. But I wouldn't say I had a really extensive background in any of that. And I think the MMA want to came from like just probably not achieving all I wanted to in college as far as wrestling. Mm-hmm. So wanting to go back to the sport of, of, or honestly, just get back into competition. And I felt like I, I just felt like somewhere in my mind, I thought I could do this. So. Dude, it's interesting to me, and dude, I'm speaking, I call them YouTube scholars, you know, that new jumper walks up on the drop zone, they watch YouTube, so they know all about skydiving. Oh, yeah. I'm a YouTube scholar right now, bro. Um, I don't I do not do any jujitsu, but I find it very interesting, because I follow a lot, and a lot of guys go no gi, or pajama-less, if you want to look at it that way, because that's what MMA fighters do, that's the way it goes. But what's interesting is when you and I get in a fight right now, A, you're going to whip my ass. Mm -hmm. But B, I can grab your shirt to choke you. I can grab your pants to pull you around. I can grab you. So fighting in a gi is really like fighting in real clothes. And not not completely real clothes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you definitely like lapel choke. There's advantages you can take on a street fight knowing how to fight in the gi. And then I hear a lot of fighters talk about like, man, fighting in the gi made me more elusive. It didn't necessarily make me better because you become dependent on the gi offensively, but defensively is where they use the gi. It's like, dude, you got to get slippery when you got a bunch of handles on your ass. So I, it's super uh, interesting to me, that idea. I, I'm i scared of, tra- of training jujitsu. I like to do a lot of things full scale, and I listen to so many people who train who say, man, I'm constantly got this nagging pain, this injury, this soreness, this thing, this there. I heard about this new stuff called CBD oil. Dude, it'll fucking fix a <laughs> motherfucker up. Mm. Uh, Actually, one of my uh, Kung Fu brothers is uh, uh, trains at war. He used to train at war before he moved away. Oh, really? What's yeah, his he, name? He, uh, Julian Habib. Julian Habib. I Honestly, I've probably met him or bumped into him. You know what I mean? There, There's a lot of people going through there, so. He went up That's there to insane. get a, a lot more intensive, uh, you he's, know, he's throwing, hand-on-hand experience. I mean, yeah. we did uh, Southern Shaolin, uh, a lot of Wing Chun and wrestling and throws and things like that. There's a limited number of locks and throws you do uh, in Kung Fu. And uh, Jiu-Jitsu, obviously, really focuses on that transition from close range to ground. Exactly. So he yeah. used that a lot. That's I commonly awesome. forget you did kung fu. Yeah, four years. I immediately, <laughs> immediately want to say, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I immediately want to say, your kung fu is strong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I relate a lot to what you were saying about having martial arts awareness and helping with your flying ability. I mean, you know, the everything about what I used to do uh, was about your lines in your body and your joints and how you're aligned compared to other things. It's, it has a lot to do with physics and science in general, which is why I got into it in the first place, because I'm an engineer. And just having that awareness of, hey, if I have my you know, joint here relative to where my belly button or my nipple or my shoulder is, it does this movement. And when you have that, you know, it, when you have 
full speed wind on you, just that slight little movement, having that awareness that I moved my elbow from this line to this line or like half the distance between my nipple and my shoulder, it does this. It accelerates the learning curve exactly. exponentially. It sticks. When somebody shows it to you, it sticks. Definitely helpful to understand where the body is. You, you've gone now uh, eventually through jujitsu. You started taekwondo. At what point did you realize, man, all these martial arts that I'm enjoying, I want to make it, I want to fight. I want to I get in a cage and whip somebody's ass. Honestly, I think, well, I started taekwondo when I was a kid, you know what I mean? So, okay. And uh, I've been removed from that for a while, <clears throat> but I, I still like have little bits of it or whatever. But I think it came from, honestly, just watching it on the couch with Amber. So I, I'll talk a lot of shit when I'm watching the fights <laughs> and be like, this guy's <laughs> fucking up, babe. And we, I don't know That's what exactly he's doing. That's exactly why I don't watch it, because people get pissed off at me Dude, talking I, shit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this guy's doing. Obviously, he's never been to a wrestling practice before. And, and she's like looking at me like, all right, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then I think that went on for a while. And then I told her that I wanted to go to a wrestling practice and stuff. And at this time, we lived in these apartments where right across the street was Gracie Barra uh, West Chase. So she was like, go over there. Why don't you just go over there? There's wrestling practice, you know? And I, well, I told her there was one, and she was like, okay, well, why don't you go? So I went a few times, and she showed up to watch one night, and um, I think after that, when she saw me actually wrestle, then she was like, okay, now, I, now I'm not... She's she, listening to that shit talk on the yeah, couch then, a little bit more. Yeah, huh? then she started asking me. Then it's become a thing where she knows I know my shit, and so she'll ask me questions and, like... So now I've taught her all about the sport, and now she's a huge fan, Why too. is he humping sideways? Yeah. <laughs> why is he doing that? Why? Or, honestly, a lot of her questions were more like, okay, why doesn't he just do this and get up? And I'm like, okay, we'll see where his arm is and see how it's doing this to and where his leg is and how it's wrapped around that other leg. And she goes, ah. Oh. And I go, yeah, that's why. That's my you favorite know, part like of MMA is the people ask me recently, what is it? I'm like, it's a human chess match. Exactly. You know, I'm not, dude, I don't practice anything. But I love watching, and I, I've sat with JDF and watched some fights together. We've gone to some legacy events and then watched some UFC events together. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Dude, you actually sound like you know what you're saying." Yeah. It's because I, I do. I will listen to breakdowns all the time. Like, look, I'm turning up, turn your hip, turn your hip, dude. Step through, step through. It's so amazing to watch those moves set up ahead and ahead and ahead. You know, no doubt watching Bisbing get knocked stiff as a board by Hendo. That was something that attracts me to MMA. Watching it, you remember UFC 100? You remember that knockout? Mm -hmm. Oh my god! But dude, watching guys hump on the ground. Oh, dude, jujitsu is a beautiful art. Wrestling <laughs> is a beautiful art. Oh, man. How important do you think wrestling is to MMA? Bruh, it's it's the cornerstone. I feel like if you have great wrestling, you're controlling where the fight is. So I I feel like that's part of my some one of my big attributes is I'll be, I'll be able to control where the fight's at. You know what I mean? If yeah. if I want to be on the ground, I'll be on the ground. But if I want to be on my feet, I'll dominate there as well. Do you think wrestling, Nick? I know you're you're probably you you watch him in MMA. You're into it. But how important do you think wrestling is? I mean, to, I've always heard the the one who controls the distance controls the fight, right? And just like what he's saying is that if if you have, let's say, I mean, now everyone who's involved in MMA has an understanding that you need to have a well-rounded game to uh -huh. be any sort of a competitor. Like, like just something that's really popular, a lot of people know about, is Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather. That he only, you know, if, if 
Floyd only won that fight because it's a boxing match. Because mm. there are rules that say, hey, you can't do most, you know, 90% of your skill set. Nope. You got to put all that stuff on the yeah. back burner <laughs> and mm-hmm. just try and throw, throw your hands at this guy. And um, so I, I think that everybody now who's competing in mixed martial arts knows that y- you're going to have to be able to stuff a takedown. You're going to have to be able to uh, deal with someone throwing leg kicks at you. Like, um, so, so you have to have a well-rounded game to be a competitor at all. But if you don't have any ground game, if you don't have any wrestling at all, you don't have the ability to, to stop a takedown or defend against a submission, yeah, you're 100% losing that fight. Man, the list of UFC champions in Bellator and Legacy, et cetera. But right now, man, UFC champions, Henry Cejudo, fucking Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. Daniel Cormier, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, GSP in the past. The, the, the wrestlers, the name, wrestling seems to. And when I'm a kid growing up, I think wrestlers is the dork in freaking high school who had little safety pins on his jacket. Like, what, what do you got that for, dude? I had no clue early on. Uh, and uh, wrestling, it's so important, dude. So you're coming up to this first fight. How's it feel? Man. Great. I feel great. I yeah. feel ready. I'm excited. It, like I said, it's a long time coming. This <clears throat> I've been at a like just actual competition for years, so I'm just so happy and excited for this. When did you decide you wanted to fight competitively? Mm, man. 2 years ago? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, like when I came, I've always probably want. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to do this. So when did always. you commit to do it? Probably like maybe two years ago is when I when the process started. When okay. I started the process of it all. So Canvas Conversations is more born of you being a fighter than you being a fight fan. Exactly. Uh, me being uh, respectful of both, I guess, because I'm a fan and I'm a you know I'm I'm in it obviously. So. Yeah. It's all of it. I just want it consumes my mind a lot of times. Just the thought of it. like when I'm talking about CBD and shit, like I'm learning CBD. You know what I mean? When I'm talking about other things that like I'm not when I talk about martial arts and stuff like that, like that's my shit. You know what I mean? Like that's wrestling and jujitsu and fighting and, you know, the mechanics of the human body and all that. That's that's what I know best. You know what I mean? So why not? talk about it why not do everything that i can within that space so it's canvas conversations it's fighting it's all of it working with a company where i can be exposed with mma fighters and work alongside them or with them you know so so you started training for fighting at war training center uh or or at least you do now um when you moved to colorado are you training there yes where are you training at i'm training at edge mma back where i where I originally started, so it's pretty cool. Why do I know the name Edge? I don't know. I think maybe I've heard it from you before. Probably, it's probably. A, dude, and one of my favorite pictures, one of the favorite pictures I've ever seen of, of any of my friends is sparring's a big part of what you do. Banging mitts, hitting fucking pads is a big part of what you do. Who's the fucking, your favorite moment hitting pads with? Hitting pads? Yeah. Uh, man, honestly, I can think about this a day with Jeremy, uh, just in the cage. And it was the day that hopefully my opponent isn't watching this. Um, but (laughs) I don't think he is, but it was just, I don't know. You're going to get your butt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you, now you know what's coming, but, uh, it was just this one day in the cage and we're hitting mitts. And after the session, I can remember like just hearing the pop of the mitt 
and hearing it being louder than my, you know, just before, I guess. I don't know. And then after the session, he was like asking me if I noticed my improvement. And, you know, I just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, I think he wanted maybe more for me. I don't know. But he just told me a lot, like told me that I have the type of power that a lot of guys think that they have. And they come off of the street thinking that, oh, I have all this power and I'm going to knock this guy out. But he was like, you know, you have real true power, like the power that that really shuts somebody down, you know. And he said, I think it's your wrestling background, the body that, you know, the style, whatever. He said, sometimes just wrestlers learn how to hit hard. Strong core. Maybe. No, I think it's important. Strong core to deliver a punch, man. How much of that punch comes through the core, not the arm? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge. One of my favorite moments I've ever seen, I didn't get to see you hit mitts with this dude, but I actually seen the picture of you and Dwayne Bang, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is fucking sick. How yeah. was that? Man, that was an experience because <clears throat> I hadn't been working on my hands at that point. Ooh. So, I I mean, I, I was more just getting into it, you know what I mean? So, And I was nervous. So in that room when I was there, TJ Dillashaw's behind me warming up for his championship fight against Cody No Love. Freddie Roach is over here. GSP is over here. I don't know. If you guys don't know who Freddie Roach is, he's boxing coach God. Like, okay, so all these guys are in this area, and then Dwayne's like, he comes and grabs my shoulders and, like, feels me up, and we've already had a conversation about me wrestling, and I know Jose Shorty Torres, obviously, and he's a training partner at TJ, so we kind of all knew who we were before I got there a little bit, so we had a conversation about that. Henry Cejudo used to wrestle in Colorado, and I used to train with the club that he trained with. So his coach, Eric, Coach Eric, Captain Eric, he was there. I had a conversation with him. He was in the room. He he coached me when I was in, in high school. So I have all this going on, and then I'm about to hit pads with Dwayne Ludwig you know what I mean so it was I scream like a girl right now (laughs) dude it was a little nerve-wracking and and you know I got Amber watching too so it was just like a little nerve-wracking but it was fun it was a learning experience and it just felt like honestly in that room being in that UFC room with all those guys and and hitting mitts with Dwayne Ludwig in that moment I just thought okay I have to do this for real this is like this isn't enough this isn't like this is just a taste and I want the whole thing you know, I want all of it. I just, that wasn't good enough, you know? Man, what kind of introduction is it? What what kind of, like, kickstart? You know, it's, it sounds like your striking career really isn't going anywhere yet. You're, you're, you said I'm not really doing anything working with your hands. That's the catalyst. That's really the fire that lights you is Dwayne Bang. For sure. TJ, everybody you named out there. I recognize uh, I'm a nerd with the MMA, so everybody you said, I'm like, holy shit, I would yeah. have loved to have been standing in that room. So you're a wrestler. You're a ground guy first. You just do first wrestling first. You're gonna throw hands second, as far as not necessarily as your game plan, but that that is your skill set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you come to this fight this Friday night, are you willing to say what you're going for? Or are you what? What's your game plan? What are you gonna do? What I feel like I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do. Honestly, <laughs> whatever the fuck I want to do. Did you look at his eyes when he said that, Nick? <laughs> I believe him if that's what you're asking. Dude, no, you, man, when you look <laughs> at me and say that, dude, yeah, instant game face, man. Well, that's how I feel, so. Who are you fighting this Friday night? I forget the kid's last name, but I think his first name is Colton. 
Colton. Hashtag fuck you, Colton. Hashtag yeah. <laughs> you ain't a porn no, do, exactly. do you feel do you feel like animosity against this person or do absolutely you, not? I, I, I wouldn't a, think so. It seems I have like total respect for this guy. Like the the utmost respect for everybody I'm about to fight. But that doesn't mean I have to fucking lose a fight or or you know what I'm saying? That just because I respect you doesn't that doesn't mean anything when I when they shut that door. So what do you? So you've not been in an MMA fight yet, as officially, right? Correct. You've probably done enough sparring and fighting though to have the mindset. What are you thinking when you're throwing at this guy? When you're trying to take him down? When you're try- oh god, we got to talk about it. when you're trying to take him down? When you're trying to to punch him in the face? What are you thinking? Because if I don't, man, I respect you. I don't want to hit you. That's not my, my 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 in my mind. I'm not thinking about the respect factor. Like I said, it's like. You, there's two people that, you know, that live within fighters. You have to have, like, a something else in you to to, to be able to compete against somebody else in, in, in wrestling or in taekwondo or karate or anything like that. There has to be something in your mind that separates itself from the rest of everything to where when you're in that situation, you realize, okay, it's, it's either me or you. And when I'm in that situation, it's going to be me every time. Dude, the the thing that you notice, and you'll notice this more than any of us, is when you're talking to a fighter, you kind of get convinced whether they have a chance or not right then and there. Yeah. In that interview, in that conversation, when they commit to what they say, are you trying to convince me or are you trying to convince you? You ain't trying to convince anybody. Yeah. You know it. I'm already convinced, yeah. I'm not convinced. I don't, honestly, I don't care if I convince anybody or if anybody believes me. I, I like, I, I have a tight group that, that, believe in me and i believe in me so that's all i'm focused on really. real quick i'm gonna ask justin a question did you just get that facebook message no it says unavailable unavailable it, uh, son of i got a message but a it was nothing bitch, i'm gonna man. ask you a question will you the, guys sort the that fight out? card says your opponent is t wiley is that right no so that did guy change yeah he was injured and pulled out of the uh, fight so i had an i got a new opponent so mma is a pretty like up and coming thing as far as sports go, right? It's still a relatively new sport. Yeah, like when you so. started wrestling as a kid, MMA wasn't yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. I mixed mean, it was around, but it was like, but like not you big couldn't at say, all. You'd have to say mixed martial arts. No one would know what MMA you'd was. You'd have to say UFC. Okay, yeah. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah, I can get that. So, but with, with how, how quickly it's blown up and the uh, number of people who are really new to jujitsu and to Muay Thai and to the, the sports that are really the, the backbones of MMA people who are on your level competition wise how much uh fighting or training experience do most of those people have years you know what i mean like i to my wrestling ability is only where it's at because i've put in years and no, no to, to me it sounds like you're someone who's you you've been around these sports for a long time mm-hmm. so you've got a skill set that goes back like you you're body mechanics and as you've grown this has all kind of grown up with you but i'm saying like someone like me i'm oh okay let's say that i decide man i want to start competing in in martial arts i want to start competing in mma i can imagine that there are a lot of people my age with the popularity of ufc and that we're all kind of joe rogan fanboys and like Mm -hmm. i'm sure that gets a lot of people into it that there are a lot of people without a lot of experience do you see those people um kind of in this circuit that you're involved in uh, I think that, I mean, everybody, I encourage everybody to try to do anything and everything they want to do, first of all. So if they think that they can do MMA, then go out and join a gym, you know what I mean? And start training and getting a smoker and stuff. You you only know if, if you try, you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to discourage anybody, but I think for a lot of people, it's a rude awakening when they try and 
do that and they step into the gym with zero or very little experience because even if you have like decent amount of experience in karate like we talked about earlier if you get with a wrestler you uh, you know what I mean and if you are only a wrestler and you only know wrestling if you get with somebody that knows how to use their hands or their feet at all they're gonna dance circles around you and pop shots all day and they'll you'll you'll be too tired to even think about taking a shot and then when you do it's a bad shot and they're gonna take advantage of you so I just feel I guess the 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 years what I have in mind is like tank Abbott like the early UFC do, days when He's you far. could just put a brawler in there, you know, and they might have a chance against someone who didn't have a, a well-rounded game, right? But it's like the sports evolved. Yeah, let's let's say that there's just some. We're in Texas. Let's just say there's some drunk cowboy that's like, oh, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna go get in that cage and I'm gonna win me a cage fight." <laughs> Yeehaw, like, God damn it! Those guys don't <laughs> stick around, right? Yeah, I mean, they're the that era is kind of over. That was kind of with the era of the tap out shirts and all that stuff, and <laughs> and that era ended. Probably in I don't know maybe around I think around 2007 that. So that if you're era. still wearing a tap out shirt, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you delusional exactly. fuck. You're done, son. Affliction too. Just exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's so sparkly. Jeez. <laughs> it's oh bejeweled, babe. <laughs> it I'm, matches my jeans. I'm a bejeweled <laughs> MMA fighter. It's Nick. Have you ever been in a fist fight? Yeah, yeah. When I was younger. Dude, how does it feel? We had the hitting someone or getting hit. Which part? The whole thing. It's exciting, man. Yeah. I mean, it's I. It's unmistakably been part of human evolution for a really long time yeah. because there's a thing that clicks and st- it's everything's very different, and it's like, I think, uh, I was kind of like a troublemaker for a few years when no. I was young, and I rolled with a group of people who was like, yeah, we knew we were gonna go out and like have a problem with somebody, you know, just for the just for the inter- entertainment of being young guys who mm-hmm. you know you just do that's just i think it's part of growing up it was for me i don't know but um not to say that my, the adult version of me wouldn't say hey that was a really stupid thing to do now looking mm-hmm. back but uh yeah i mean it was enjoyable at the time and then when someone else when you're the one getting beat up it's a different experience and uh, i think there's still plenty that you can learn from that experience about who who like who are you when someone else comes in a threatening way. I think you learn about your, about yourself in that moment. When mm. people say they want to be fighters, I've been in a few fights growing up, and some of them were like, hey, I can actually fight and whoop this guy's ass. And some of it's been like, you actually know how to fight. <laughs> and man, thank God the two guys who I've gotten in fights with who knew how to fight, as soon as I said, fuck it, I'm done, I'm so sorry, <laughs> they both, one was a wrestler. And before I knew it, this guy had my back, and I was about to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I give up, I quit. <laughs> I, I actually started tapping, like, I'm done, I'm sorry, I'm done, I'm yeah. done, bro. And he, he's like, all right, we're done, and he backed off. I'm like, no, we are done. There's no doubt we're done, dude. And he yeah. let go of me. I got him. I'm like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I, at that point, I was just like, holy shit. And and I wasn't apologizing at that point because I was getting my ass whooped, but because he made me realize I'm being an idiot. This is dumb. Mm. The other dude, man, he he was hitting me, and he was not hitting me nicely. At some point, I was on the ground two or three different times. Um, my, my sister had been flashed by a kid in school, and I didn't like this. And this kid was a little bit bigger than me, and I was going to go defend my sister's honor. And I actually went and assaulted this kid, and he knocked the fuck out of me. I got back <laughs> up and went at him. He knocked the fuck out oh, of me. I got up, went at him. He knocked. I mean, this kid had his way with me. 
And, and I thought I was going to do okay. And, and after the <laughs> yeah, third it's try, always a little different than how you imagine it. <laughs> after the it's third the try, I was movies, like, right? yo, bro, I'm done. Exactly. I'm so sorry. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to leave your sister alone. That was, like, that was commendable. Good job. I don't think we were smart enough to say commendable, but he was like, yeah, good job. So you're still with a, a reasonable amount of, I mean, if it's mostly yeah, in the gym, still fighting experience. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think most people's idea of how they will perform in a fight differs from reality? Because my uh, reality is I suck. <laughs> Dude. No, but like, let's say I'm thinking of a young, hyped up. I'm gonna go punch him in his face. I'm gonna Dude, knock that yeah, guy out. That's that shit's what I gonna think be over. Exactly what my coach was talking about. Like those guys that think that that come off the street and they like think they have this power. Like, and then they go in there and they throw those three shots that they thought were gonna miss, be so, miss, miss, and yeah, now they're coming back. <laughs> exactly, and then they're worn out from those <laughs> shots and stuff. But, but I've seen so many World Star videos. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> those are real, brah. Have yeah. you seen those ones that are slowed down where they're like throwing punches and yeah. none of them are landing? And it's just like wild yes. arcing. Man, yes. I was trying to share with Justin a video I wanted to share on, on Facebook, dude. Have you did Steven show you the video today of the chick uh, the, the chick the kid with no legs getting in a fist fight? Nope, didn't see that. Dude, the, I want to show you guys this off oh, the air. Oh, I have seen that. I'm yeah. so sorry I can't share it on Facebook right now, but these two dudes are in a fight and there's it's commentated it's, obviously oh, I think after I've the seen fact. That, actually. Kit's got no fucking legs. Wait a minute. He's sitting down. He's <laughs> ripping his legs off. Come at me, motherfucker. I got no fucking... This kid knows how... This kid he, with no legs... He didn't even have to beat him with his fake legs. Head movement, <laughs> moving back and forth. So obviously, because very obvious, he knows how to fight. Some point, shoots a double leg from his little nub, takes a kid down, <laughs> hops on top of him, and is raining, dude. Fucking ground. Right. And pound, so and, good. And accurate. Fucking bringing these hooks in out of nowhere. Dude, I got to show, I gotta show you yeah, this I gotta video. I got to see that. It's pretty fucking epic. Um, man, most people, they come to fight at your school. Well, you know, I say your school where you train, whether it was in a wrestling uh, gym, whether it's an MMA gym. How many people do you see come and go thinking like, oh, I could do this? Mm, I mean, I see a... I don't feel like I see a lot of people coming and going that drop in like, I can do this and then decide they can't. I think it's just more like the everyday grind gets to them, sort of. A lot of them are athletes that can and want to do this um i've only seen one guy that came in with a weird experience kind of like that where he had developed his own martial art i guess and he wanted to try it on my coach and so my coach was like (laughs) hashtag legit as fuck yeah my coach was like yeah you want to fight i'll fight you (laughs) what is this martial art i don't know what it was Uh, apparently he had tried it on like Taekwondo guys and karate guys. Yeah, Rex Kwondo. All, you didn't see that. Grab my wrist. No, my other wrist. Yeah. Um, but I guess he had developed well, this. Yeah, was he wearing American flag pants? <laughs> Tie-dye. It's no. called Jeet Kune Do. Yeah. Kumbro. Yeah, Jeet Kune Bro. <laughs> but he came in, and I remember coming in to, for practice that day, and my coach, Jeremy, he was just like, yeah, this guy... I might have you or, or Dakota do it, one of our teammates. He's like, but I guess he wants to fight. And then he's like, I'm going to go find out more before I make any or ask anybody to do anything. So he comes back, and he's like, no, this guy just wants to throw down, so I'm just going to do it. So he goes in there and puts on the four-ounce gloves, and I guess the guy had told him that he wasn't going to punch him or some, punch my coach or something. He was just more going to more or less try and see if he could defend MMA style of striking. But then I I think he... My coach was like just basically like kind of grappling at first, like just opening stuff up and showing him like, yeah, I'd be able to hit you here. See it? Like I'd be able to hit you here. But then the guy would like react and like strike my coach. So my coach was like, 
all right, well, I'm not going to just let you hit me. You know what I mean? So he wasn't like beating him up or a, at all. He was just like, like I said, showing him like, okay, this, this is open. And he would like throw a tap jab or something or a tap hook or something like that. You know what I mean? And after, I don't know, maybe three, four minutes, the guy was like, all right, I'm done. And, and my coach was just using subtle techniques like, calf kicks and leg kicks and little tiny jabs and stuff like so that. So it's fair to say that this guy hadn't revolutionized the fighting game. At all. <laughs> he just got picked apart. For like Can you get that audio minutes. for a second and see if it's commentated by some guy cussing a lot? Oh, Sounds like me. Found the, found yeah. the video you guys were looking for? No, there's another one where it's commentated, dude. It's just so much better with a commentator. <laughs> it really is. Um, I mean, but that's that's just a delusional person, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's but what I'm saying. That, that like, guy could have had that same revelation with any... I mean, not that it's a true revelation, right, right. but he could have convinced himself that he was a fucking genius at anything, right? I feel like... that, And that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a rarity. Those are the oddballs. But yeah, cra- crazy people exist everywhere. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's partially because of the level you're training, because I got to imagine, like, JDF... Nah. It, dude, it'll be a guy going, and the kid's got no fucking let. It sounds like he's announcing a UFC fight. Is it an Australian fight. guy? No, I just did Aussie for some weird reason because, <laughs> okay. you know, the odds man. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to. Yeah. yeah. It's not him, but I immediately okay. go to him. Um, so JDF has got some schools, and they're yeah. also MMA schools. I imagine maybe those are the kind of places they show up for to sure. an illusional. The, the guys who are, are uh, more serious by the time you see them. J- it's because JDF's taken them from the ground, from like, the very base level. Whereas if you get to war, if you find about find out about war, it's usually because people have invited them over. Or they know they they know about war, so they found it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's uh. So you're you're fighting this Friday night, Cage Combat Thirty Two. Mm-hmm. How do people get there? How do people know? What 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 do people need to know? All right. So Cage Combat 32 is at the Humble Civic Center. The doors open at six o'clock, and the fights start at seven o'clock. I'm the second fight of the night. Tickets, if you buy them at MikeTheTruth.com, uh, are fifty dollars. But if you prime buy them at the door, they're a lot more expensive. So I think like I don't remember. I, I looked something up, and I'm not going to quote it wrong, so I don't want to do that. Um, you're the second fight. Uh, three round, five minutes. What is it? What's three, the, uh, three, three minute rounds, three, three minute rounds. So three, three minute rounds. How much of that are you going to need? Uh, I don't, I don't, like I said, I, I'm going to enjoy it, but I don't think it's definitely going to go outside of the second. Oh yeah. I tried that real quick. Hold on I, one second. No, you're good. I think this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I, I really didn't care to show this. So I was gonna show it on my phone to you guys when we were done. But no, this, I want to see yeah, it. Yeah, fucking bring it up, too. dude. This is so epic. You got it back to the beginning because it's it's yeah. back pretty good right now. No, you got to take it back. That's, yeah, start, that's in the middle. At the top. Well, Peter, this is an interesting street fight here. One kid with legs, the other one, no fucking legs. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, homeboy drops down to the ground, taking off oh his prosthetic. He's got two fake legs, yanks him off. ripping off his fucking legs, <laughs> and he's going to try and yeah, fuck him great. up, Peter. He's on nubs now. He's Let's got two thighs. continues. Oh, boy, they're <laughs> back at it. He's crawling <laughs> towards his opponent. Oh, oh. Getting the distance on the right side. Juke movie gave him. You know, Peter, you gotta love this. He's Watch his head left. movement right this here. Is, excuse me. Ooh, ooh, oh, yeah. This kid has got.
Here's the best part. Double leg. Yeah. He's a wrestler. He's a wrestler. For sure. Oh, shit. What's up with you, oh, homie? Dude, that was a clean takedown. There's no doubt that boy knows how to wrestle, man. What you think, Ivan? You like that? I love those videos. I love watching those. Uh, Steven and I were going to share star. that with you today, but we saved it for the show oh, was our goal. That was, was perfect. So funny. That was great, man. So people can check it out. MikeTheTruth.com is where we can get the cheaper tickets. Yeah, so there, uh, you can, like, I think if you saw, there's, I think it says on there, like, general, or it says, like, 50 to 350, right? Yeah. I think it's 350 if you're, like, buying a table or something crazy like that. But it's $50 general admission tickets. I think if you guys get there by 630, you should be in a good spot um my people will be wearing pure spectrum shirts i brought one for you guys too oh fuck yeah, yeah dude i'll so, represent yeah um if you guys are coming look for people in pure spectrum shirts um so you guys will know where the cheering section is hopefully there's a little cheering section of people there so it's pure awesome. spectrum what's the website PureSpectrumCBD.com. check them out guys gals i mean I, I, I could spend the next four hours talking about it. Girls cured of epileptic seizures. It eats cancer is, is one possible claim. Several people with cancer have had su huge success with CBD. Uh, CBD oils are, are a huge part. If you're interested and curious about CBD oils, check out Pure Spectrum. Um, I've been using another brand. I'm not against Pure Spectrum. It's just what I've already had. Mm -hmm. I am checking them out as well now. They're next on my list. i got to try everybody. Um, and they're high in everything I've seen. I've only seen and heard great things about Pure Spectrum. Um, get 10% off by mentioning or, or uh, Canvas 10, right? Mm -hmm. Canvas yeah. 10. See, I'm trying to remember shit. Yeah, you got uh, it. Uh, check that out, man. Uh, Canvas Conversations. Go to YouTube. Look up Canvas Conversations. Go to Facebook. Check out Canvas Conversations. Even if you're a casual fight fan, I, I love the MMA Hour, which used to be six fucking hours long. Mm -hmm. It's now two hours long. Ariel Hawani's another four hours. I'll listen to those interviews. I like you because I get 15, 20 minutes. The, the, the attention span of the average person, man, we need bite-sized digestible chunks. So we do two hours on Gravity Lab. Um, <laughs> that 20-minute digestion, if you're new to MMA, if you're just checking it out, or you're a veteran, I really like some of the people you've had as a veteran uh, fan, at least, a veteran mm -hmm. fan. Um, as a new fan, I think it's still very uh, smartly done, and it's bite-sized. So Canvas Conversations. Um, and guys, gals, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fucking do it. Yeah. My friends who are saying everybody's out there copying, copying dude, just because you want to be like Nick Lott doesn't make you bad. Anything else you want to share, Mr. Armanderas? No, that's it. I, I hope you guys, uh, if you have the time on Friday, come out to the fight. Um, definitely give Pure Spectrum a check out if you guys are on the fence about it. I, I definitely recommend it, um, especially you, Nick. You need it. Dude, I, really, I will absolutely try it. Cool. I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm, there, there's no part of me that's morally asleep. Ob object to it. But uh, it's just... I guess I just haven't uh, until now heard enough like convincing things from people I know well enough to, to believe. Because you hear stuff online and it's totally. like, eh, yeah, that's easy to write off. There's lots of people saying lots of things online. Lots of people get paid to advertise this or you know whatever it is, someone's got an agenda behind it. So, uh, But to hear people that I know personally who have nothing to gain from, from talking about it be so, uh, so sure that it's a real thing, I'll try it out. 
Dude, I'll be clear. I've been asked because I've been pushing it so hard. Is this like one of those multi-level marketing <laughs> things? And I'm like, I got, dude, I'm a dude who just walked into Target, sharp shop at Target for the first time and told all my friends, you got to fucking shop at Target. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> and CBD oils. And they're, and man, back to Pure Spectrum is one of the more reliable companies I found. Um, it, it's, you got to check it out. I'll, uh, if you want more stories or more uh, thoughts, I'll tell them to you for sure. Um, I hear you talk enough in a normal week. Nick. Anything else you want to share? Asshole? No, man, I'm good. Uh, uh, Gravity Lab uh, Film Festival coming up October 20th. Uh, I just want to say uh, Blair Hamlink and Glenn, I know they're both working pretty hard. They're getting some good footage. DQ's about to sit through his footage, check out what he's got going on. So he's got some ideas. And both of those guys asked me questions about editing that I was happy to answer. If you got a specific question, uh, I would say Adobe Premiere. Uh, it's pretty easy to bootleg that shit, so get on it. It is, and I love Premiere. <laughs> uh, Dallas crew, dude. I was just in Dallas. I heard a lot of guys and gals prepping, getting ready for that. I'm trying to remember who and what, and I won't tell you the story because I don't want to ruin their video, but somebody just shared with me, we might have a skit entering this year. That's awesome. Dude, I'm strongly pushing people. If you want to enter the film festival, put together a funny-ass skit. Put together something fun that will make us laugh. Nick and I aren't going to be the judges. Everybody else is. Make people laugh. You usually win shit. So uh, check it out, man. Uh, Mr. Justin, here, Mr. P. Mr. Justin, anything Ooh. else you want to share? No, I'm good. Guys and gals, I really appreciate you uh, tuning into the show. Ben, thank you so much for sharing your life with us on Canvas Conversations. Come into the GLR, man. This Friday night, fucking take care of business, knock some people out. Blue skies, folks. Gravity Lab Radio, we're out.